All right, welcome back to the millionth show, ladies and gentlemen, probably mostly gentlemen. But anyway, my name is James. I'm joined once again by Henry. How you doing, mate? You right? I'm doing pretty good, actually. Like, I've wanted to review this film, particularly since I've, uh, I've seen it for the first time recently. And yeah. uh, we haven't really talked about it much since. Uh, no, no, in yeah. preparation I'm for buzz- this. Yeah, I'm buzzing for this one, man. Um, obviously, we're talking about Batman 1989. This is the second installment in our rank and review of the Batman franchise, all the films, feature length cinema, live action films of the Cape Crusader. So yeah, this film obviously released in 1989. So that's what, 33 years ago? My math's good there, I think. Directed by Tim Burton, starring Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. Music by Danny Elfman, runtime of two hours and six minutes. It wasn't a long film, you know, and they packed yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't feel long when you watch it. It was. It doesn't. It doesn't. Similar, similar length it. to uh, 1966, but it does not feel yeah. that long. It's about yeah, yeah. Well, it's only about 20 minutes longer. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. They could have made this half an hour longer with just Nat Jackson doing whatever he likes, and I'd have, yeah. I'd have happily watched it. But it was. It was. It's. It's concise. You know, the films back then they weren't so long. Generally, I mean, you did have those like Ben Hur and all that four hours. But anyway. Yeah, um, this film, two hours, six minutes, you know, didn't fuck around. And yeah, I, I'm I, I'm with you, man. I've been really looking forward to this episode, this film in general. I, th- I watched it yesterday again, probably about the seventh or eighth time I've seen it. This is one of those films I kind of watch about once a year. I saw it first when I was about 14, 15, and just fell in love with it uh, ever since. Um, well, and what's your history with this film? Yeah, well, my history started about last week when I saw it for the first time. And uh, I was a bit apprehensive when watching it because you had said, you know, you told me all these good things about it. You know, it was one of your favorite or if not your favorite Batman film. And uh, another guy I know who is really into his films, like he watches one every day. He said, like, he didn't want to touch this film with a barge pole. But after seeing it, I had to, I was very gladly, you know, surprised because I was I was interested to see how Jack Nicholson, you know, the guy from the fucking Shining um, yeah. We'll do the Joker, and yeah. it was it was it was just fantastic, really. Yeah, I can see why a lot of people like him. Yeah, he didn't disappoint. Yeah, I, I can't believe your mate didn't like this film, man. I I've never heard anyone that negative about this film. For you know, generally people like this film. They might not like it as much as Chris Nolan trilogy or whatever. I certainly do. I think it's on par with those films, especially as a Batman film itself. We're going to get into all that, but yeah, like you say, this film is. Is more. I mean, you could say this about the Dark Knight as well. This is more of a Joker film than it is a Batman film, even though it is literally called Batman, etc. But Jackson obviously top billing on this film as well. He's he's appears first in the on the on all the marketing and yeah. stuff. Of the film. That's the first and thing that I was noticed. This, that was part of the demands. I mean, the studio. I was reading about in the studio. They they pulled out all the stops to get him for this film, and and they, they did some crazy stuff. I was reading about Tim Burton, like, did horse riding and injured himself or something. They, they, they were, like, taking him on the town to just just try and seduce him into doing this film. And I don't yeah. know if Jack Nixon's playing hard to get or whatever, but so worth it. I'm so glad the studio did everything they could to get him in. He had some pretty interesting conditions in his contract. I mean, one of the things I saw was that um, he had his own strict shooting schedule, and part yeah, of that was, was it, that yeah. he had to have a day off when... Uh, the Lakers were playing home games. That was like a condition. So, mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, uh, Jackson was such a big star at the time of this film. I mean, he's he's a cinema legend, right? But I mean, it, back then he was probably, I mean, fair to say, probably in his prime. 
he earned a shit ton of money from this film, and um, I mean, yeah, he, it was, he, I think he smashed it, it though. He smashed. Yeah, it. I, I think up until because he got a uh, large like chunk of the box office or something revenue, yeah. and I think it was the it was like the the record for like the most money taken away by an actor uh, for a film up until like two thousand three or something. Yeah, yeah. Like went away with like anywhere from like forty million to sixty million. Man, he deserved every penny for this performance. Uh, Jack Nicholson's joke. This is like, and I've seen a lot of films of them in. You know, you mentioned like The Shining, classics like uh, you know One Third of the Cuckoo's Nest, all, all sorts of films he's been in. He's a phenomenal actor, and the, but and he's done so many iconic roles. But and then this one, The Joker. I think this is just it's, this doesn't define him as an actor by any means. He's done. He's had an incredible career either side of this film. What I did like was the fact that he's very passionate about his performance in this film as well. There was a time where. He enjoyed, he said the Joker was one of his favorite roles that he's ever played. And there was a time he enjoyed his performance so much, he was watching this film every, like, once a week at his house. Yeah, I remember I'd seen that. Yeah. Uh, I'd read that before, and I was like, I don't blame him, honestly. I, yeah. yeah, if I could be bored, yeah. I'd watch it every week. I appreciate that a lot. In fact, one of the times I watched this film, I watched it and just skipped to Jack Nicholson's parts. I didn't watch the rest of the film, I just watched his parts. And I it just, there's so many iconic scenes and lines and quotes there's such a quotable film for me it's like it's one of those films that um it's not just like a great batman film or just a great super film it's a great cinema film so many iconic cinematic moments for me we're going to break it down obviously when we do the storyline but um the significance of this film as well because obviously these days we're in this era of where super films are the biggest thing and dark knight um Justice League, Marvel, you know, all that shit, you know, and it's like, there's there's so many, now, you, you know, you can't turn around without seeing, like, a, a super advert or anything. Yeah. Um, but back in these days, man, all you had from Batman was the Adam West one, which we reviewed last week, and I think it's fair to say, slightly different tone um, to what they yeah. did. Yeah, he's no longer the Camp Crusader in this one. Yeah, and, and the, I think... the, only, the only other sort of super film was Superman from 1970, 1970s, you know, Superman 1 and 2, which was successful, but again, it, was, it wasn't it was like this, where it's like, you know, this was this really revolutionised what Tim Burton did with this film, just really revolutionised Batman and, and superhero, the genre for, for the next, you know, until to date, really, because until, the, until this, we didn't really ever have, like, a really serious, dark... Film, which is what Batman is. He is the Dark Knight. This film obviously directly has inspired the Batman the Animated Series. So the creator of that show said this film would never, sorry, the series would never have happened without this film. And I think we got a lot to thank for that because that series is obviously amazing as well. We won't talk about it on this. Yeah, series I think I believe they even use the same theme and same. It Bat wasn't. Uh, Batman it wasn't quite. It, it, it sounds similar, but it's not. It's by this. It's by Daniel yeah. as well. Yeah, but so exactly. it's actually it's slightly different. They're both iconic, obviously. They're both fantastic. They both sound similar, but there is a difference when you hear them. Yeah. Um, this you film also inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this film also inspired three sequels, each to varying success. Yeah. We'll get to them in the next few weeks. A um, couple more I wanted to throw at you. Uh, obviously, this was actually the fifth highest-grossing film in history at the time of its release, and the highest-grossing DC film until The Dark Knight in two thousand and eight. Yeah. I think in this release year it was still slightly beaten out by the Last Crusade, though. I think, yeah, worldwide or domestic or I don't know, but um, I mean, yeah, this this film just was so iconic for so many reasons. And uh, let, I mean, do you want to just get into the storyline? I'm so yeah, excited. Exactly. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll come as a ghost. Let's fucking do it. Okay, so the film 
Batman 1989 begins with the iconic Batman theme. Um, oh yeah, when I heard that, amazing. And you you'd not heard it before, right? Well, I think I I think I recognised it because the uh, animated series' theme is similar. similar but yeah. when when I heard it, it's just you know because uh, I'd seen I'd seen obviously the Batman 2022 recently, and uh, you know I'd I'd re-seen you know the Dark Knight Rises recently as well uh, and Dark Knight, but just none of the themes are like they can't they didn't really top this. Because this one just sounds like so classic, so orchestral, and yeah. uh, I don't know. It's what I think. It, it's like the most. It's like the most iconic Batman theme. In my it's opinion. so Batman. I mean, part of this show is we will be ranking. Actually, let's do it now. Let's rank the Batman themes because we've only got two so far. So we've got the classic Adam West 1960s Batman theme, and we've got this one. So I think this is going in number one. Well, very clearly at the moment. I mean, don't get me wrong. The no, the 60s one is still iconic, and I hold a very soft spot for it, but. I, I, I would not be surprised. And we're going to rank, obviously, the elements from last week as well for all the Batman films. There's a bunch of them. And I think this one will, this film, where we will end up number one, I think, well, by the time we finish this this series of uh, films that we're ranking, I think this will end up number one in a lot of categories because it's just... The thing about this film is it's not... It, it is kind of weak in some areas, because I feel like they didn't, they, they were focusing so much on certain elements in this film. Some of the other things got left to aside a little bit, and that kind of shows sometimes within the film. But I think the things they did focus on, they did exceptionally well. And that is why there's so many iconic moments. And there's some things that we'll get to which kind of don't hold up as well, um, especially compared to other iterations of, of Batman. But I think for this one, um, the theme Scott Amy are number one. And I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up there. I mean, we, we do have some other good ones that we'll come to, but this one. For sure. I mean, yeah. And yeah, the whole thing is like while they're playing the theme, they're just circling around a really big version of the Batman logo they did for this film, like a huge metal one. So fucking cool, man. So you get the Batman theme, you get hyped up. The theme itself as well, it's just so, it is so Batman. It just defines him. And it's just, I don't know what it is about it. It's just the highs and the lows and the way it changes and shit. It's just, and the music in this film in general is outstanding. The soundtrack is, is superb. And what made me laugh was the fact that Danny Elfman, he was quite, uh, before he did this film, he was kind of a little bit um, nervous going into it because he'd never done a film of this production. And the way he blew it out of the water, and he went the, he went on to, to compose some fantastic, like the Spider-Man theme as well. He did the iconic Spider-Man for the Sam Remy trilogy as well. And just, what a composer, man. Very underrated. And just made this iconic soundtrack for this film. Not just this. We'll get to more of that anyway, but we get to just a, sh a still of Gotham City. And this is another element of this film, which they put a lot of effort and time into, and it really paid off, because this Gotham looks incredible. Yeah, the world building is like, it's, yeah, again, it reminds me just ever so slightly of the animated series, obviously, which is inspired from this, so that would explain it. But, you know, it's not like, um, yeah, it's not like sort of the cartoon almost, um, like uh like shantytown like uh side of like gotham in the uh previous film um like you know <laughs> yeah. which is like half new york half sort of like um comedy yeah, skit Chicago or some shit yeah man yeah this is the thing and this it happens again in the in chris nolan's trilogy as well gotham there is just like it could be any city which is i guess the point there but i think this gotham as well in the batman I think uh, Matt Reeves did a really nice um, Gotham City as well. But this one, what I like is it's so Tim Burton, you know, and, and the, oh, the yeah. set design 
was was just it was it was fantastic. It, just the fact that you know they it is everything is just all the elements just slightly exaggerated because it is this Tim Burton style. Like and not not just visually, but a lot of the elements in this film are just just everything is just slightly exaggerated. You know, I mean later on when he pulls out the long radio and all this these little things, the sounds and everything is yeah his extremely long gun. Yeah, it, it works so well. Yeah, we get a few shots of um, of the of the you know what a shithole Gotham is. Basically, you've got um, you know some fucking bums and shit, man. Shit, you know, like doing their thing. You know, um, a lot of vandalism, crime, all that shit. It's just like like I say, the world building is just so neat, so neatly done. And then yeah, the next thing we get is uh, a couple and a kid leaving um leaving a theater, and they're like going some down some dodgy alleyway. And I don't know about you, but did this get you? Did you think like this was uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne and Bruce, like young Bruce Wayne, didn't? Yeah, like, it really. Yeah, it did. As soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, they're really going to do this. They're going to have you know, Joker kills Batman's parents and so on." Because I think I remember. Um, I think I remember Tim Burton didn't want it to be, didn't want Batman to ever kind of um, sort of have that uh, find out, like you know, who killed his parents. It would just be like an unnamed assailant or something. Um, because otherwise, if he found, if he figured it all out, then he wouldn't have any motivation to be Batman as a detective. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they they do do the origin story, but this isn't it. Basically, they they uh, and this is obviously done deliberately. But it's so like we have to keep in mind is there was no one had ever done an origin story of Bruce Wayne. It was never the '60s Batman. I mean, on on film, of course, you know, obviously in comics, but like. In Adam West's Batman, there was never an origin story, right? It was just like, yeah, I'm an orphan, I'm a millionaire, that's it. That's all you ever knew. Um, but this one, obviously, they didn't. I, I it's funny because we've seen so we've seen it done to death now. Like, oh yeah, the amount of yeah. Batman, like origin, you know, Thomas Muff Wayne, the pearls, all that shit. Yeah, the pearls always it's been done so many times, but but this is the first time, and it's just it's amazing the way it stood the test of time because when you're watching the film. And you see these two guys, you think, ah, oh, they're doing it again. But then it's not. It's actually these muggers, and they take them down. But then, well, Batman doesn't really save them, right? This is the funny thing. Like, um, so what happens? These two muggers, they they get them, and uh, and they're fucking going through the, her purse and stuff. And then one of them's like, he's he's a bit green, you know. He's just like, ah, oh, he's he's shitting himself. He's talking about the bat, you know. And the other guys are, ah, oh, fuck off, you know. There's no such thing. And Batman shows up, obviously, and beats the shit out of him. Although, firstly, he gets shot and he falls down, which I thought looked a little bit, bit silly. Yeah, it was but, bit... but I think it's the point. So it's like they shoot him, they think, oh, we got him. And then he just stands up again. They shit themselves, you know. Um, yeah, it demonstrates, you know, Batman's might as well be the Terminator at this point. Can't just shoot him, you know. And I'm yeah. like, uh, if, it, if this was Adam West, he'd just die immediately. But not no much chance, people. yeah. But it's, you, this is like, you know, they did this so carefully because obviously there was a lot of, there was a little bit of controversy coming into this film, like, well, in the pre-production stage because of the names associated with the film. Because obviously Michael uh, Michael Keaton was mostly a comedy actor. Um, you know, that was his CV before coming into this film. And so when he was cast, it was obviously controversial and because everyone thought it was going to be like another comedy sort of unserious Adam West style portrayal. And yeah, they got a bunch of complaints as well, right? Yeah, they got fifty thousand letters, I think, from uh, primarily comic book fans of Batman, sort of believing that you know this wouldn't be like the Dark Knight Returns, which it was actually partly inspired off of, which had just come out previously. Yeah, and, uh, and 
And I think it's interesting just to touch on it as well, the fact that all the all the different actors who were considered for Batman as well, because oh, yeah. it was it's just like a who at the time it was just like a who's who of the A-list, you know, Hollywood actors at the time, because there was uh, Bill Murray, Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Harrison Ford. And most interesting for you and me, because we like our James Bond overlaps, oh, is yeah, of course. Pierce Brosnan was uh, approached, but he didn't want to yeah. do like a comic book. Cause he of didn't lots. want to be associated with it. Yeah. yeah. If you asked him, like, you know, maybe uh, nowadays, he'd, he's Ooh. probably like uh, maybe punching the air over it a bit. Well, this is the thing. Nowadays, it's like the pinnacle of an actor's career to be a superhero, being a superhero film. That's why every, it's just like ticking a box, basically. Uh, whereas back then, it was very much like, um, you know, something that wasn't... This is the first superhero film to win an Oscar as well. Which one did it win? It was... Um, was it set design? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I would have assumed it was something to do with Jack Nicholson. No, it wasn't. No, it should have been. He wasn't even nominated. This film was only nominated for one Oscar, and it won it, to be fair. Basically, this was the first super... And they did submit. And I would like to know, by the way, who did win, like... Or who was even nominated for Best Actor that wasn't Jack Nicholson, because, like... There was so many Oscar-worthy, Oscar-winning worthy elements in this film, like the costume and design, the set design, the cinematography, the music, Jack Nicholson, uh, even the best film, man. I can't remember what came out in 1989 that was that blew this out. Well, obviously, The Last Crusade won a few Oscars, I think. I mean, but it still did a very pioneering thing in winning that Oscar because it was the first film to do so. And, uh, sorry, Batman film to do so until The Dark Knight as well, which obviously won too. Uh, it won, by the way, the Oscar for Best Set direct, uh, Decoration, Best Art Direction. So oh, of course, I mean. For Gotham City and just, all that, I think. It's, well just so, it's just so iconic, like, the way that it's just done, like, uh, the way the, the scenery and sort of the props and everything, it's just kind of, I mean, Tim Burton's, like, style really just shows through this film, um, and you can kind of just tell by so many things, even... You know, the way that Jack Nicholson's Joker is dressed and, you know, mm. just, yeah, like you said, the slightly exaggerated elements as well. Um, yeah. just It just brings it to life. And it, that's yeah. I think that sort of um, that sort of style kind of makes it, it kind of which it, it makes it why you can still see it today. And it's just it's just it pops out a bit more. Yeah, it, it's timeless for me as well. This is why I'm so glad that Tim Burton did this film because he wasn't even a comic book fan or anything. Right. But. I think he, I saw that he had dyslexia and he couldn't read comic books for that reason. The only one that he could read that he really enjoyed was The Killing Joke, which obviously inspired this film a lot. And I'm so glad that he did this because it really was like the right man at the right time. That Tim Burton, with his very distinct and unique style of the way he does films, really shone through and was just perfect for what the Batman needed at the time in terms of everyone's sort of public perception of this character. Um, and the way that he executed his vision was just phenomenal. Because uh, it could have been it could have been anyone else. I mean, we just rattled through the name of, names of actors that could have played uh, Batman that were considered for it. There was also um, the director was nearly uh, Guy Hamilton, who directed four James Bond films. Again, another Bond overlap. We love him here. While we're on the subject as well, I think it's worth mentioning about the Joker as well because obviously. Jack Nicholson was always the studio's number one choice, and I think he was on their list for he was the number one choice for years, right? Like six or seven oh, yeah, years. Of course, they were like, like pursuing yeah, the man they wanted. Yeah, he had some. Yeah, um, he had some interesting cast choices for him for the Joker as well, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah, they had some interesting uh, casting choices for. Yeah, yeah. well, there was obviously Robin Williams was 
the one he was kind of like the second choice and part of their tactics to get Jack Nicholson in was they offered the role to Robin Williams he accepted it and then they went to Jack Nicholson and went oh, okay so if you don't do this film Williams he's accepted he's going to do it and obviously that must have been like that helped Nicholson made his mind up and accept it and then they cancelled on Robin Williams and he refused to do he refused to be the Riddler when they asked him back for Batman Forever, and he refused to do any Warner Brothers production until they apologised. So, there's a man who holds a grudge. And yeah, just a little bit of bad blood between him. <laughs> I wouldn't... I mean, I don't think Robin Williams would have been a bad Joker at all. I think he would have done... I mean, obviously, he wouldn't have been Jack Nicholson, but, um, you know, who knows though, well, that, that would have gone down. Another interesting name I saw, there were a few that popped up, but uh, <laughs> David Bowie. Imagine David Bowie's the Joker. Oh, that's that's just, yeah, I know. I think that'd be like rather weird. It I would mean. be it would be weird, but it's Bowie, and I feel like he would have. That would have been really interesting to see. Well, unfortunately, we'll obviously never get to see that. But um, I mean, it's not like Nicholson let us down, was it? Yeah, of course. I mean, you even had what was it? Willem Dafoe was also considered, and it was just yeah, he was considered for both Bruce Wayne and um and yeah, the Joker. Yeah, that was strange. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people have said, oh yeah, he kind of you know he'd be a great joke because he even looks like him, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, but I, I think the fact that he was the Green Goblin kind of suits him just a little bit more, really, because um, it's like he's he's more just crazy rather than sort of like uh, mani like uh, the Joker sort of maniacal but also methodical. I don't, uh, yeah, I'd still like to have seen William Defoe play a uh, a Batman villain, you know, because he like oh, you say he does have that insane. Thing. Whether it would have been the Joker or the Riddler, I think he'd have made a good Riddler. Or, but I mean, we'll never know, will we? So anyway, let's get back to the the, the story. Otherwise, we're here all day. Um, so Batman gets shot down. He comes back up. He beats up these muggers, and he goes. Uh, he he gets one of them, and he's like holding him off the edge of the roof, and he's like, and he goes, oh, "Who are you?" And he goes, "I'm Batman." And fucking like doesn't drop him, and then jumps off the building. And um, I think that really just sets it up for literally. Oh, yeah. The, he, he, know, yeah, he establishes like yeah he knows exactly who he is you know I love um, it I mean yeah if it's the previous film he might know I've just said like a quip or something but yeah. <laughs> I love it and just and because I think that was I don't know if it was ad-libbed but it was it wasn't in the original script for sure it was meant to be like I'm the shadows or I'm vengeance which obviously uh Robert Pattinson does 30 years later but um it was I think it was Keaton's idea to go I'm Batman it was also Keaton's idea to lower Batman's voice which yeah, because otherwise, like, yeah, he said it'd be, what was it? He think he thought it'd be way too easy to tell who Bruce Wayne was that he was Batman. <laughs> well, if your source material was Adam West, then he's absolutely bang right, you know. And again, it's just one of those things where I don't think people really appreciate how much this revolutionized Batman and did so much for the, you know, this film crawled so the Dark Knight could walk. You know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, this obviously the creator of the animated series said that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for this film. And who knows if the, the Dark Knight trilogy would have as well. You know, you never know. Because this film did so much for, obviously, the public perception of this, of Batman. Um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, obviously, like I say, Michael Keaton, he came up with the idea to deepen Batman's voice, um, which was cool. Although, to be honest, I didn't notice it that much. It was a little bit deeper, but it wasn't like, you know, fucking Christian yeah, Bale, like, Bale's one that yeah, everyone eating cigarettes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so he jumps off the building and then we cut to Dent, Gordon, Harvey Dent, uh, Gordon and the mayor are at this press conference. And they're like, yeah, you know, um, we're going to clean up the shit in the city. We're going to take down Carl Grissom, um, who's this 
uh, character they invented for this film. It was originally going to be Rupert Thorne, but they just went with their own creation in the end, uh, in Carl Grissom. And the, Bruce Wayne is obviously meant to be at this conference, but he's not. Uh, and anyway, then we cut to Jack Nicholson, pre-Joker. So he's just being himself pretty much as this yeah. sort of monster gangster. Um, and he's there chilling. He's watching He's watching the news, right? He's watching Dent and Gordon say this shit, and he's like, uh, yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm the shit, you know? Like, he's got this this girl as well, Alicia, right? Carl Grissom's girlfriend, who he's fucking as well in the background, and uh, he doesn't know about, obviously, but he's like the second in command, right? And it, it just sets up his character as well, because he's very vain, he's very full of himself, he's like, checking himself out in the mirror, and she's like, yeah, you look good, you know, you look, you look fine, you know? He's like, I didn't ask. Looks down, removes the hand from the shoulder and shit, man. It's like, this is a pretty Sigma Joker as well, man, I must say. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I was originally thinking, you know, <laughs> how, how is anyone going to play, you know, the Joker before he is the Joker? And uh, even yeah. these scenes before he is, like, it's just, it's great how it kind of sets him up and, you know, it kind of shows, like, a little bit of how his Joker's going to be. I love how uh, they do the like origin it. story here. And, and it's funny you mention it, because it never dawned on me until now. This is the the only time we ever see the Joker before he becomes the Joker in a film. Well, you have, um, well, you have Joaquin Phoenix a bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. But, you know, that, that film has uh, quite a few problems with, you know, whether it's, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit, yeah, a you dude little, or... Yeah. A little insight into it, yeah. Um, yeah, good point. I forgot about that one. But, yeah, um, so, yeah, he's just like, I didn't ask. Pretty Sigma moment. At the, at the, we're going to choose our most Sigma moment, and that'll be up there, I think. Uh, anyway, so then, yeah, we cut to the mug is being wheeled away and um, this corrupt police officer, Eckhart, is there and he's like, yeah, fucking take him away. This Batman's bullshit, you know. And this is the funny thing for me about this film. This is one thing that just didn't slightly didn't work for me because the whole point of this film, this is kind of Batman's first kind of mission, right? He doesn't, he's not really, hasn't really... Um, shown himself to Gotham yet publicly. He does at the end of the film, but for the beginning, so he's just a rumour at the moment, which doesn't really add up for me because he's got the Batwing and the Batmobile and all his gadgets, everything's yeah, already ready. Yeah, it's seen now flying through the sky at some point. Yeah, and I feel like, what's he do? Like, I feel like, what what, what has this Batman been doing? What's <laughs> yeah, he been doing for the last that... 10 years? He's got everything ready? He's like, okay, well... It's like, you know, you know, it's like, I don't know, he's like going through a midlife crisis and he's like, yeah, I'm going to do all the shit. I'm going to get all the equipment. Everything's going to be ready. I'm just going to, and then never actually follows through with it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, there's no way he didn't trip a few like speed cameras on that thing. Like, That's what I mean, man. Like he has everything ready. He's all geared up. He's got everything there and he's just like waiting for the right moment. I don't know. But anyway, Knox arrives. So this guy, uh, this character he arrives, he's like this annoying journalist type. And um, he's like, yeah, Eckhart, well, you know, he's he's basically obsessed with Batman. He's trying to bring this Batman story to life. Everyone thinks he's full of shit. Um, and anyway, he fucks off. Uh, and then Eckhart goes around the corner of this dodgy alleyway and he meets Jack Nicholson. And uh, they have a little standoff and they fucking hate each other. And, uh, you know, Joker pushes him. Eckhart pulls gun. Bob pulls a gun behind Joker and he's like, oh you know, think about the future, I'm going to be number one soon. And they do a little bit of, you know, and fucking, they give Eckhart a brown envelope. It's just obviously showcasing how dirty the uh, police are. Uh, Eckhart calls him a psycho, like, you're a nut job, all this shit. So a little bit of, like, trying to... I don't know if, if for you, if uh, Jack Nicholson came across as, like, insane, like, or unstable. I mean, they make an effort of making, like, yeah, he's mentally unstable, he was... So so when he becomes the Joker, it's not such a surprise in that sense. But 
Um, I don't know. Mm, I mean, seems like a guy he's he's desperate for to be number one, right? More than like. Oh yeah, like, he's definitely egotistical and a bit arrogant, but I don't yeah. feel it shows him as like um, kind of like mentally not all there. He doesn't really uh, do anything psychotic, right? Yeah, he's he's not like I mean. Yeah, it's probably the, uh, as it, you mean, back then, you know, it was the chemicals that did it, not, you know, society or anything. Yeah. So anyway, then we cut to uh, the mayor. He wants he wants this parade for Gotham's 200th anniversary. This is kind of what the plot ends up hinging on a little bit. And then we cut back to um, this office, the journalist, the newspaper place, where Knox is there. Everyone's taking the piss out of him about this Batman. Really cool moment here is when he gets handed a picture of, Batman like a drawing which Bob Kane wrote Bob Kane obviously the creator of Batman and he was actually meant to have like a cameo in this film but he got ill unfortunately on on the day of filming but that would have been oh, his kind of like Stanley before Stanley right and yeah, exactly. um, unfortunately it didn't work out for him but he did get the sketch and you see his signature if you pay attention it says Bob Kane there which is pretty cool and he was actually hired as a consultant on this film which I think was great because yeah obviously, good idea you, you know, it doesn't get better than having the creator of Batman there because obviously Burton and some of the others working on this film weren't really comic book fans. So uh, obviously you have the guy himself there. I think that obviously did this film a lot of favours. But anyway, um, so Knox is there and he sees a uh, nice pair of legs there. He sees Kim Bassinger and this is when Vicky Vale gets revealed to us. He's like, hello, Lex. And um, she's there and kind of introducing her character. I actually thought... Um, until I did my research for this film, I thought she was like just a love interest they conjured out of thin air, but she was actually from the comics as well, which um, was pretty cool, actually. Obviously, she's like this lowest lane type. It's just like copy and paste from Superman. Oh, yeah, of course. Cool. So that's one of the things I felt a little bit uh, when watching this film, like uh, especially with, for some reason, Bruce Wayne as well. Like um, those two kind of gave made me feel like I was watching one of the 70s ba- uh, Superman films for some reason. Don't know what it was. It's just maybe it's just a fact it was filmed in that sort of similar-ish sort of time frame. Maybe, maybe. Um, we don't get to Bruce Wayne yet though, because we go back to Grissom's HQ, and they're like, okay. um, "Oh, this fucking uh, what are they talking about? They're talking about Harvey Dent and the mayor. They're like, yeah, they're onto us. They're gonna fuck us up." And uh, and Jack Nicholson's like, "Well, you know what we should do? We should, um, you know." fucking we should fuck up that uh factory and we'll just you know write off his insurance and grissom's like yeah great idea mate and um and while they're having this conversation alicia comes up and joker oh sorry um carl grissom is like yeah what's up sugar bumps da, da, da. and then he sees jack nicholson make hard contact with her shit and he's like yeah they're fucking man i'm gonna fuck this guy up so uh he says he's like yeah jack nicholson you gotta go and uh you gotta take care of this personally i want you you're my you're my number one guy. And, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I love that. I, I love that. It's just like, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. I'm going to get you killed, man. Literally. So so he sends him off on his way and then he rings up uh, Eckhart and he's, you know, basically going to double cross him. And then we cut to Bruce Wayne's fundraiser. And this is where uh, we start getting some of the characters introduced. We see Alfred for the first time. I'm not really a big fan of this Alfred, to be honest. Um, I mean, he's he's okay, but I mean, he's just a little bit. Yeah, if I'm being being honest, I barely remember Alfred from this. This is the thing. He's very and same with Gordon. And what's funny is that Alfred and Gordon, the actors for them, are the only ones that appear in each of the three sequels for this film. So, of these four films, the Burton Schumacher films, they're the only recurring actors actually. Without and they're the kind of the most 
the least noteworthy as well. Yeah, they're like almost fade into the background of it. Yeah, they're very much, very, very much on the side. Like this is one of the things where they put so much focus on certain things and then they didn't. And this is where why probably most people like Nolan films better, etc. Because obviously they they put a lot of effort into Commissioner Gordon and Michael Caine's Alfred, etc. Um, but anyway, yeah. So this Alfred, he's just there. He's okay, but yeah, he's not very memorable, like I said. But he's he's there. He's looking. He's checking out Kim Basinger all this shit. Gordon's there. He's playing craps. And I didn't really like this because, you know, obviously Gordon, he's meant to be like, like a, you know, like a clean guy sort of thing. And I, I didn't kind of, it didn't feel right to me. Like, I know he's, he's allowed to gamble and shit, but still, I don't know. it just gives off that kind of sleaze. Like, he's yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's almost like uh, it gives that like sort of slight air of the corrupt cop. You know, that's what they would be doing. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, so Vicky Vell's here as well. And she's looking for Bruce Wayne. And um, and she actually sees him, but so this is the reveal of Michael Keaton, and it's like you know, um, are you Bruce? Do you know who Bruce Wayne is? And he's like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why he lied or whatever, but it's like yeah, it's like come on, you, you would know who it is like yeah, if you're meeting Elon Musk or something. Well, yeah, first of all, Bruce Wayne, fucking billionaire, right? Everyone should know who this guy is. Yeah, and by this, is he a billionaire by this point? Is he just multi-millionaire? And, and she's meant to be an investigative journalist or whatever, or whatever, like, photographer, doesn't really... But, like, you, you'd think, you know, she would know who Bruce Wayne... I know she's new in town and shit in this film, but still. Yeah. And then I don't really understand why he doesn't go, yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne, you want to fuck, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, your own fundraiser as well, like... Yeah. Anyway. Like, who you're fooling. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so then, um... So Knox and Vicky Vale, they go into uh, Bruce Wayne's little museum. They they wander off through the mansion. They find uh, one of Bruce Wayne's rooms where it's like, oh, and they're talking shit about him, you know, like while he's there behind them, they don't see him, right? They're like, oh, yeah, oh, this guy's rich, so he must be he must be a wanker, you know, and all this shit. And um, they're looking at his cool, like, collection of weird shit. And this is quite a Sigma moment because uh, they go, like, oh, where do you suppose they got this from? And he's like, it's Japanese. How do you know? Because I bought it in Japan. And I think that's oh, yeah. cue the Sigma music there, man. Um, that was a pretty cool moment. And uh, and they stay have a, they they they're like getting to know each other and then they're like, oh you know, yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne. And she's like, Are you sure now? And he's like, Yeah, I don't really understand what the point of that was. Yeah, but... this is a bit of a weird like play they did uh, between them, but yeah. it's like a bit strange. Uh, I don't know about you, I mean Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. I don't know. Didn't really do it for me that much. I mean, he was okay, but he's he's like yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't bad, but I would actually probably say it's, it not, yeah. it's not not as good as Adam West's. I'd even say yeah. Because... Even Adam West's Bruce Wayne. At least he was he's very confident and very like very def, you know defining what he does. And let alone other Bruce Wayne's. But I think this Michael King's Bruce Wayne is just a little bit. It's lacking something. Lacking yeah, something. he's almost like um. I mean, I'd almost say he's like very very slightly awkward even. Yeah, very. He's, he just doesn't have any presence. I think that's that's the thing for me. He, yeah, he's, it's he like lacks presence when he walks yeah, in the room. You're like, you know, room, you know. I mean, you compare him to like um, Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne. He fucking, you know, he's there. He's he's like Bruce Wayne's got to be like basically like a James Bond type. That's why I would have liked to have seen Pierce Brosnan be Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think that would really would have been a perfect Bruce Wayne. I would think it'd have been very nice. But anyway. So uh, they're having a chat. They're joking about. Uh, he has another signal. The the butler comes in. He's like, "Oh, I need to. Uh, shall I open some more crates of champagne?" He's like, "Yeah, six boxes, whatever." Uh, and then Alfred comes. Alfred being bait as fuck once again, and he's like, "Oh yes, um, Commissioner Gordon had to leave. 
very suddenly, sir. And he's like, oh, okay. And uh, this way to the back cave. I mean, uh, this way, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah okay. Just... Michael Keaton's delivery is quite good. And he does, he is like, you know, this sort of Sigma male Bruce Wayne. But it's, it, again, it's just, it's just the presence. I feel like, because he's, this is the thing as well, because when they were designing the suit for Batman in this film, um, they, they, because obviously, Michael Keaton, he's, he's quite average kind of looking guy in that sense. He's not like ripped or muscles or anything. He's just kind yeah, of... Yeah, they had that problem as well. Because their original description of Batman in uh, one of the uh, earlier drafts of the script was like, he's got like muscles on top of muscles. And then when they uh, cast uh, Michael Keaton, they were like, yeah, we might have to uh, do that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like pretty average kind of build sort of guy. Um and I think that kind of plays into it a little bit as well. I mean, he wears the suit. I don't know if it like really works for him. But anyway, so uh, the next thing happens. Yeah, you, they go to the Batcave and um, he's there in the Batcave and he's checking out the CCTV and he sees Gordon and he's like zooming in on him. And he's like, oh, they're going to access chemicals. Do you know what I like as well? The fact they all know Eckhart's bent as well because they're like, oh, who's in charge of this? Why wasn't I told? And he's like, oh, Eckhart's there. And he's like, oh, shit. You know, like he already yeah. knows. Like, yeah, it's this like he's not fooling anyone. Yeah, and they do. And this is another way. It's like I, I like, I appreciate the way they build this world because hmm. it's so dirty. They, they even, even the police officers themselves know who's dirty and who's not, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's so corrupt. They know amongst themselves who's bent and who's not. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. It's a, it's far removed from like sort of the flowery world of you know Adam West's world. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, where everyone, yeah. yeah, everyone's happy. Even even the yeah, jokes, you know, Boy Scouts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't think we ever really see a Gotham this corrupt, to be honest. Oh, Even in the in Nolan and, and the Batman, like in the Batman to some extent, yes. But I think this is like, oh, actually, yeah, that was very fucking corrupt. But I think this one is like super, like you know, where Gordon. Yeah, he, when even when even the, every police officer kind of knows, you know. Yeah, he's like, I've got to personally intervene. I've got to stop being at this fundraiser. I've got to go in my tuxedo to access chemicals to stop whatever this guy's doing because he's bent as fuck, you know. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when you know it's bad. So anyway, then we get to access chemicals, and uh, G- Jack Nicholson's there. He's trashing the office, and uh, they're breaking open this safe. And uh, and then they re- the safe swings open. It's empty. And they're like, oh, you know, we, we you know we've been double crossed here. We've been ratted out. And um, and they're like, okay, well, you know, be on your guard. And then Eckhart shows up, and Eckhart's like, yeah, we're gonna kill this guy. Fucking shoot him, you know, because obviously now he's got personal beef with Jack Nicholson as well. So they they're starting to have the shootout. And then Gordon shows up, and he's like, you know, who's in charge here? Uh, Eckhart, yeah, I'm in charge now. Uh, I want the I want the I want Jack Jack Napier taken alive. And the way he says it is really weird. He's like, I want him alive <laughs> on the microphone. Yeah. But anyway. So then uh, you get a pretty cool little like shoot shootout going on him, and obviously the Batman shows up, and um, and he he saves Joker. There's a cool scene because Joker's about to escape, and um, and then he sees uh, Gordon, so he's like, yeah, I might as well take him out while I can. And then Batman swoops down, takes out the Joker, and then um, Bob comes up and he's like, oh, if you kill my mate um, Jack, I'm going to shoot Gordon, and he's like, oh, okay. So Batman backs off and Joker's like, this is the first time Joker and obviously Batman meet. And he's like, oh, nice suit, you know? <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's just... It's so cool. The acting from Nixon is superb. Just his reactions and expressions and everything. Yeah, you just have to play off, like, just so nice. Yeah, so um, so Batman backs off and um, 
And obviously, Jack Napier is about to leave, and then he sees his chance to shoot Eckhart, and he goes, ah, remember, that? Uh, think about the future, shoots him, and uh, and does so. And then once he's done that, he's like, he's, he kind of senses Batman is there, and he is. So he turns, and then he shoots Batman, and it deflects off Batman's arm onto a machine, and then shoots, I think this is right, shoots Jack Napier through both cheeks, right? I think that's yeah, the, that is some, that is so ridiculous. But <laughs> that's yeah. a bit. That's where it's like okay, but we'll allow it, right? So it shoots him through both cheeks, and and he tumbles over the sides. And Batman tries to help him, but then his hand slips out of the glove, and Jack Napier falls into the vat of chemicals. And Batman thinks he's dead. They all think he's dead. They will shoot off. After they've cleared off, we see Jack Jack Nicholson's hand like rising out of the acid, which. Looks a bit dumb, but it's so fucking cool. The music and everything, because obviously I think this is the first and only time we see the Joker's origin story, but true to the comics. Yeah, right? of course, because yeah, every and, other one wasn't there like that. Yeah, and I think the reason this has never been replicated is because it's it's done so well. This is yeah, they can't top it, could they? They can't. You cannot top this. This is almost the reason. This is the reason why it took them thirty years to sorry twenty years to recast the Joker as well, because. Everyone was quite intimidated to, you know, step up to Jack Nicholson's performance until Heath Ledger did, obviously, and did very well. But obviously, the origin story itself—I think this is—it's literally what what you the scenes that play out here is literally like out of a comic book, right? And it's just like falls in the vat. It's all the colours and everything. It's it's so nicely done. Anyway, then we cut to Vicky Vale and she's having a date with Bruce Wayne, and they're in his mansion again. And uh, they're at this huge table, and uh, no, oh, yeah, yeah, this like is where, the salt, you know, yeah, past the salt, yeah. And this is where Michael Keaton's comedy experience comes into play a little bit, and it, it works. I like it because it's like, oh, she's like, oh, do you, do you like eating here? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's great, you know. And he's like, actually, I've never been in this room in my life. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which is I do like one. that actually. It is quite funny. It is nice. It is good. This is where this is where Michael Keaton's very strong. I think in these comedy moments because obviously he's more of a comedy actor, right? And I think this is where he does. He he pulls it off very nicely. And um, so instead they go to the kitchen and Alfred's there and he's like, oh, yes, and uh, I touched Bruce when he was a boy. Oh. And uh, they have a good uh, little laugh. Actually, fun fact. Well, not fact. I saw a fan theory, right? And I was saving it for this episode because it is quite funny. And it's a theory. <laughs> it's a theory that Alfred is actually Bruce Wayne's biological father. Right. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's just the fact that, well, obviously Thomas Wayne, he was like a businessman going out and about. Martha would have been on her own a lot in, in the Wayne Manor and who's oh, there? Yeah, Alfred, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and like, yeah, maybe she was fucking Alfred the whole time and Alfred's his father and that's why he cares after Bruce so much. I mean, I quite, I found that fan theory quite funny, you know, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, you've got to love him. Uh, um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, Alfred's there and they have like, I like this scene because it is quite like, like a nice... Um, intimate moment between Alfred, Bruce Wayne and Vicky Vale. It builds their characters quite nicely and um, they're all sat there. It's, it's quite nice. They're getting a bit pissed, you know, they're drinking champagne and shit. And then we cut to one of my favourite scenes in cinema history, man. The Joker's transformation scene. So oh, we, nice. go to, we cut to this fucking dodgy backstreet alleyway, this fucking shitty surgeon, man. And um, and the way this is filmed and the music, it's so good because it's it's from behind. You never see Jack Nicholson's face or anything, right? You never even see the front of him. It's just from behind. 
you've all and all you've got to see is this naked bulb in above him and basically the surgeon and the surgeon's oh, yeah. acting it's so dramatic but it's so perfect it's yeah, just I like love, this- i love that one line specifically where he's like oh yeah you know it's best i could do with these tools and it like goes to like the shot of the tools it's like something fucking like yeah like buzzsaw basically literally from like a horror film man it's like you just cut he's like just these shitty like you know pro- oh. it's really from like something from a horror film and this is where burton he just nails everything this actor that plays the surgeon he's so memorable because he's there and he's like the horror on his face as Jackson's like unwrapping his face you know he's like he's terrified of what he's just created basically and it leaves the audience because the audience can't see what's going on, right? And you're just like, "Whoa, what's what's going on, man?" And Jacobson asks for a mirror, and he give he doesn't even want to give him the mirror. He like grabs it himself, and he looks at it, and he's like, and he's just like, he starts crying, and then he just turns to this hysterical laughter, and uh, he smashes the mirror, he smashes the bulb, and he's just like uncontrollable laughter, and he's just like, and this is this is just. Yeah, I love it. He just sorts this out, you know. It, it, it illustrates from the as soon as he turns into like the Joker here, he's just like, yeah. it, it like that's that's the way they illustrate that he's insane, rather than you know, um, immediately like, oh yeah, I'm a really kooky guy. He just has to start like he stops acting like a normal person, even yeah. like even though he was a bit arrogant before, and he's just yeah, like he sees like his, his face is fucked up, but now he's just laughing about it. Yeah, you see, you get to see the exact precise moment where he loses it. He go, he becomes insane. And that's when he sees himself. And and I think that plays very strongly into the rest of the film because the plot is kind of Joker's motivation. Because this is, I think, one criticism people have of this film. Joker's motivations aren't very defined, right? But, I mean, first of all, it's the Joker, right? I mean, the whole point is that he's this unhinged, you know, like mentalist, right? But what I like about his motivation is kind of like he looks like this and he kind of... He lo- he's embraced it and he wants everyone else to be like this. And this is why he's doing the smilex thing and everything. We'll get to it, but yeah, I know. But that uh, plays also into his like previous, you know, his uh, uh, attitude and sort of behavior that we've seen before as well. Like you know, he's like arrogant. He's obsessed with himself. Yeah, exactly. But now he to, he, not only is he just obsessed with himself, he now wants everyone to look like him as well. Yeah, they set up so nicely because at the beginning he's so vain, you know, and he's like, yeah, he knows he looks good. He's like full of himself. And and now he's like he's been he looks like a freak basically, um, so yeah, and I just love it. and he's staggering up the steps and the laugh is so good and I like the the way the sound editing is done because the laugh continues into Bruce Wayne then walking up some steps in his manner, and yeah, it's like just that. showing obviously a big um, um, message in this film is like the duality right and it's kind of like. Batman and the Joker are the same person, basically, or whatever, like, but I don't know how well that works or how much I kind of buy into that, but this is a nice way that they kind of show it because he's walking up the steps and Bruce Wayne is and Vicky Vale is and they're like, you know, they start making out, they're a bit pissed. And um, and they, they obviously hook up and then uh, Batman's swinging upside down, that's a bit weird. <laughs> but anyway, and then we cut to Grissom's place again. And I feel like I, I, I don't want to repeat myself every time we talk about a Joker scene it being like the most iconic thing ever. But this is another one because this is where the Joker reveals himself, right? We go back to Grissom's HQ, which, by the way, is the most exaggerated thing. I love the way that they oh, earlier yeah. when you first see it, and they, there's like the camera going up the building. It's just like 
the tallest building in the world. But yeah, it's just, like got a million flights of stairs I love it. and everything. I love it. It's so it just plays into that exaggerated nature of this. Yeah, was it like it's like, like I think in the actual meeting room of them all like the Karen Pan just got like a, a really long table of like you know you know like stereotypical <laughs> yeah. gangster looking people and it's just it's I, love it. I, I really like that. I love it. Um, but before we get there, yeah, so we get back, back to Grissom. He's just had a shower, you know, and um, he's wearing this massive leather robe. And he's pouring himself a bottle of whiskey, you know. He's like, yeah, well, Jack Nicholson's out of the picture. I'm, I'm running this shit, you know, no worries. And then he see he hears the lift coming up, and he's like, oh, is that you, Sugar Bumps? He thinks it's Alicia. Turns around, and it's like this shadowed silhouette, right? And it's like, no, it's me, Sugar Bumps, whatever. And he's like, I need... And Grissom shits himself. He's like, oh... Oh, Jack, you're alive. Huh? I'm, I'm so glad I totally didn't double cross you, you know, like, um, and then Jack Nicholson, he, I love this line where he's like, you know, you set me up over a woman, a woman. He's so angry that someone would set him up over a woman. I, I think again, Sigma moment, Sigma little quote there, but it's just like, I, I love the way he does his, he has like, he clenches his fist and he's, he's so agitated that. Yeah. This, he also he says like that. Yeah. He also said something about him in like, the way that he's not even he's not even necessarily most annoyed about the fact that he was set up. It's the fact that he feels like it was over something that what was so, so like, unimportant, like yes. for someone like him, you know. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. And uh and he's and then Grissom's like, hey, he's fucked, you know, he tries to get the gun and he's like, Don't bother. And then he's like, Oh, Jack. Uh, he loses it, he's like, he won't be worth spit, you know, and then he's like, uh, you know what, Jack. Maybe we can cut a deal, you know, and then, <laughs> and then he goes, Jack, Jack's dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. And he just oh. steps into the light as he says it and then fucking shoots him. And you get the music, the circus music. And man, like, I do. I do like that, though, with the um, it's sort of like it's so serious at the same time as also being like, you know, they got something ridiculous going on in the background. Yeah. Only Tim Burton could have pulled it off. Literally. Of it's just the insanity and and there's again the soundtrack and Danny Elfman's work on it as well. It, it's so good, and just the way you, know, you can call me Joker again. This is and it's just these great one-liner reveals. The way they pull them off, the actors is so well done because you had Michael Keaton earlier, you know, I'm Batman, and then you can call me Joker. It's so good, man. Yeah, then Joker sits down, he picks up a newspaper, and he's like, he sees that all the headlines are about Batman, and he's like. You know, fuck Batman. You know, uh, you know they they think he's a menace. Wait till they get a load of me. And yeah, this, I like this... that. I like that how it's also like you know, his um, he doesn't even necessarily hate Batman because he keeps ruining his plans. It's the fact that he's taking a spotlight off of him. You know, yeah, I'm more important. You know, he's so full of himself. It's just like he just hates Batman because he's being like he's taking yeah, like you say, stealing a spotlight. And this particular frame is just my favorite and it's actually the one i've used for the thumbnail of this video because you just it's the first time you really get to have a good look at jack nicholson's joker and he's just there and he's like and you've got gotham in the background as well and he's just like you can see him like he's just gone insane and he's full makeup the hair is perfect it's just perfect anyway uh, so then, uh, then Wayne, uh, sorry, then Vicky Vale wakes up and Bruce Wayne's like, uh, telling him a bunch of por telling a bunch of porkies. He's like, yeah, I fucked you. And now I'm chucking, you you know, like ejaculate and evacuate. Um, you know, uh, I'm going out of town now. I don't want to see you again. Da -da -da. 
And she's like, oh, really? Uh, and just the lies keep getting worse. So it's just like, yeah, um, no, nah, I've got a meeting today. Actually, it's a business trip. Yeah, I'll be away for a few days, blah, blah, blah. So she's calling bullshit and she goes to Alfred. Alfred baits him out once again because she's like, yeah, have a nice trip. And he's like, what trip? We're going to be here for ages. Like, And she's like, oh, really? So Alfred fucks up uh, Bruce Wayne there inadvertently. But anyway, and then Joker, he's there and... Um, it comes back to Joker and, and Alicia comes up in the lift and she faints seeing him and he's like, huh. And um, and then what happens next? Yes, we get to that iconic scene once again where the Joker is there with the gangsters, right? Carl oh, Grissom's associates. And Joker's wearing this, this skin-coloured paint and... It's so because later off later later on he wipes away the he wipes his his forehead right and some of the skin paint comes off and it shows white underneath and this is I can't believe I don't know who got makeup Oscar over this film man but just for that that alone man how did that the way they achieved that I was because I was reading about it, the way they achieved like there to cover his face in white and then again with a layer of skin toned paint and it's like how do they do that and it. And they soaked his handkerchief with alcohol so it would wipe off. Yeah, just one layer as well. Amazing stuff. But anyway, um, so he's talking to all these gangsters. Is he introducing himself? And he's like, yeah, Grissom's out of the picture now. Uh, I'm basically in charge. And uh, one of the guys is like, why don't we hear this from Grissom? Uh, and, you know, what's the, that stupid grin on your face? <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, you know, life's been good to me. And... Um, and then the guy's like, what if we say no? And he's like, well, we'll just shake hands and that'll be it. And uh, and then we get one of the Joker's iconic trademark, you know, gadgets, the the buzz handshake. And he fries this guy alive, man. And this is just... Oh, man. Yeah, that scene. This is the the first really psychotic thing we see the Joker do. And it's just brilliant because he's, he's frying this guy alive in front of all these other people. They're all like, what the fuck is going on right now? And he's just singing this song and shit. He's like, he's loving it. He's laughing and shit. Yeah, it's just it's another, yeah, it's just another, like, I mean, it's, it's, it was important for this film. So it's like the contrast between this and, you know, Caesar Romero's one, you know, you like use a buzz yeah. on song, you got like a funny effect, yeah. like two seconds. But, like, <laughs> this guy like starts catching on fire and everything. And, like, yeah, he's like, like, by the end of it, he's like burnt, like, it's amazing. completely black. He's like, they lost half his like body mass as well, man. He's like a skeleton. Yeah, yeah. And then Jack Nixon's like fanning him with his hat, you know, and he's like, oh, he got a little hot under the collar, you know. Amazing. And he's laughing. He's pissing himself laughing. I love it. And um, and he wipes his forehead and he's like, okay, now you can all fuck off. You can see like I'm the boss now. And uh, all of his henchmen come in. They're holding them all at gunpoint. And, uh, and then he goes over to Bob and he's like, and then he does, and this is cool because it's like Jack Nicholson basically improvised a an impression of the actor who played Carl Grissom when he was early. He was like, you're my number one guy. And he does really exaggerate to Bob, like, you are my number one guy. And he, he gets so into it. <laughs> it's so funny. And Bob is just uh, like, yeah. I just love the way, like, yeah, he's talking to him like he's actually having a conversation <laughs> with him. Like, obviously, he's dead. Uh, but, you know, yeah, he walks over to the fried corpse and he starts having a chat with him. Um, Again, just showing how insane he is. And he is so good. And the way it's filmed, because the camera's just following, facing Jack Nicholson, walking around this corpse, and he's like, you know, oh, you know, maybe we should give him some time to think it over. And he's like, oh, we should grease him now. Like, it's the corpse's idea, but it's, it's, he's talking to himself, but it's in such a 
so good. It's so good, man. And uh, and then he goes like, oh, you're you're crazy, man. I'm glad you're dead. And he fucking straightens his tie and he's like, I'm glad you're dead. And he's just laughing. It's just this hysterical laughter again. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. Jack Nixon was robbed of an Oscar, man. Didn't even get nominated. I think they were just so used to giving him Oscars. They were like, ah, we'll save him for this yeah, one. Yeah, someone's got to win it this year. So then we cut to Vicky Vale. She's following Bruce Wayne because um, she's like, okay, so he lied to me after fucking me. So let me, you know, see what he's all about. Because that was her mission anyway, right? To try and, um, you know, get close to him, find out what he's all about. So she follows Wayne to Crime Alley. Well, not Crime Alley, but some alleyway. And he lays down a couple of roses. Uh, we don't know why yet. Obviously, we know why, because obviously his parents died, but like audiences of this film are probably still a little bit okay. Well, if they, if you weren't familiar with Batman back then, I guess you didn't know what he was doing. So he lays down a couple of roses, and, um, and what I've re- again, the music here is so good because he lays because you've got this quiet kind of sad music, and he's laying down these roses, and she's like in the background trying to see what's going on, and then he stood there, kind of you know, reflecting for a minute, and then the music just changes to this really dark like. Or like almost chiming into the Batman theme again and it's like I, I just love the symbolism of that the music does just in that moment because it's like obviously this is the moment when his parents died which basically inspired him to become Batman to become a crime fighter and the way the music does that it's just so good I don't know if, I hope other people notice that but I just I really wanted to appreciate that moment there well, um, I, do, I do like it when the um person who is doing the music design and uh, the composition kind of uses it in tandem with the scene to kind of almost add to the story a bit yeah this the music the score is done just superb man everything is spot on so anyway so he stood there and he's reflecting on how he became batman and then um and then he pops over around the corner and there's some press conference going on once again and it's one of grissom's guys that joker just spoke with and he's like, yeah, we're we're, uh, we're we're taking over Grissom's business while he's out of town, and um, and Knox is there as well, and Vicky Vale, everyone's there basically. And then who should show up? But the Joker, even he's there. He he shows up because they've got all these mimes coming up, and it's really I don't know. It's like it was very strange and off. It's very like weird thing to happen, but obviously it's building up to the Joker, who publicly reveals himself, and he's not actually wearing the Joker suit. He's wearing. A suit which I've never seen before or since. Apparently it's from like a specific comic book, but uh, very interesting, very strange kind of black and white checkered sort of oh, yeah, yeah, that. outfit going on. He's got different that lipstick very as well. Yeah, because he's not so vibrant. The Grissom guy, he's like, yeah, um, yeah, it's all legit, no worries. He signed it himself and he's like, yeah, he did, I was there. He signed it with this pen in his own blood. And uh, he fucking throws this feather at this guy, like kills it like, in the throat. So it's just crazy. It's the the way he kills someone, man. He buzz he buzzes the guy before, and then he throws his feather into this guy's throat and kills him. And uh, and then he goes, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> great line, great moment. The music again is so good. By the way, fun fact: this version of the Joker has the highest kill count of any Joker iteration, and he only kills about twelve people, I believe. His kill count is twelve in this film. So then the goons start shooting all the mimes. They start shooting around and. Everyone ducks down except Bruce Wayne because he's like, holy shit, man, didn't I just kill this guy or whatever? Like, well, not kill him, but, you know, he's like, I I watched this guy die like an hour ago or last week, whatever, and he's like, and now he's back. And he's kind of just following, and and they make eye contact again, and Joker's like waving at him, does a funny little wave and drives off. 
he sees Vicky Vale there as well, and he's like, oh, I've been caught out, but I don't care. I'm already like, what, what the fuck is going on? And uh, and then we cut back to, I believe, Harvey Dent or the mayor, and he's like talking once again about what just went down. And instead of talking about Joker, he's talking about Batman, and that pisses off Joker. He's watching the TV, and you get the boxing glove. Yeah. Like he just has it there ready, you know. <laughs> to smash the TV. And he's like, fucking Batman, you know, like stealing his press again. And then we cut back to Wayne Manor. Alfred's pouring a glass of water just as Bruce Wayne walks in. And he's like, Alfred, give me a glass of, yeah, thanks. And uh, they have a little chat, a little heart to heart. And Alfred's like, oh, yeah, Vicky Vale, you should, you know, totally marry her. And she'll sort you out. And he's like, nah, I don't care. Uh, I just saw uh, Jack Nicholson. He's back on the streets. And Alfred's like, oh, shit, no way. And um, I, I like to imagine, you know, when you say Jack Nicholson, it's actually just the actor running around, not Jack Napier. Jack Napier, the crime yeah. boss. I, mean, I want to say Jack Napier, it's Jack, you know, whatever. Yeah, so you just think Jack Nicholson, like... <laughs> yeah, fun facts about that, actually, because um, up until this moment, Joker never had a origin name, right? So they kind of just conjured this one up from Jack Napier. Because um, apparently Napier is like some old English medieval word for a joker or a fool. Oh, I like that. And it's also the name of the actor who played Alfred in the 60s Batman, uh, Alan Napier. So little nod there, I suppose, as well. Anyway, so um, so then he's like, yeah, Alfred, uh, go and um, get me everything we know about this guy. And Alfred's like, yeah, sure thing, mate. And, uh, and But then just before he goes, he goes, yeah, Alfred, she's great, isn't she? And he's like, yeah, yeah, she's like a solid 8 out of 10, you know, like nice, nice taste and everything. And he's like, yeah. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a bit old, but yeah, you know. Then um, we get to Joker once again, and he's cutting out all these pictures and newspapers and, again, just displaying how, how much he's he's lost it. Um, and then he cuts out a picture of uh, Vicky Vale that they took at the the shooting earlier. And he's like, oh, and then he falls in love with her basically straight away, and he's dancing around. And then we cut to Axis Chemicals once again. It's up and running, and he goes... Uh, this is just a cool moment. It's just these these little moments, and they're just so good. Um, where he goes, you know, the guy's like, this is basically the beginning of the Smilex thing, right? This is kind of the the crux of the plot, where Joker's like, oh, are you shipping him? And he's like, ship them all. We're going to, you know, take it over and everything, right? And then we cut once again to the news. And, uh, and it's like a news story, and they're talking about these models that have suddenly mysteriously died. And the presenter's talking about it. And they're like, yeah, you know, this is terrible. And then one of the presenters starts like laughing hysterically. And the other one's like, what the fuck are you laughing about? This is, yeah. this is really laughing matter. And she she loses it. And she's obviously been poisoned by this um, Joker, uh, toxic laughing gas, whatever. And uh, and then she, she obviously dies live on air. And then it cuts to this Joker advert. Which is so funny. It's so oh, good. Oh yeah, the way I love these like things in the film. It's so good. He's like, get your brand new Joker products, you know, and he's like advertising it, and he's like, uh, you know, this guy's been using Brand X, you know. It's like all these little moments. It's so good, man. Um, and uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, where do I get these fabulous products? Probably you've got them already, you know. So um, he gives a little hint of how to get all this shit. Uh, it's just such a good advert. I love it. It's. Anyway, Bruce Wayne and Alfred are watching it, and uh, they're like, "Huh, oh, you know, this guy's like, you know, he's he's fucking he's fucking shit up now. This is time for Batman to come out of his, you know, to come and announce himself." And um, anyway, and then they're like, "Oh, yeah." So Alfred gives him the file of, on Jack Napier, and he's like, "Oh, this guy's good at chemistry. He's 
you know, okay, so let me do a bit. This is cool because we get a little bit of detective work from Bruce Wayne here, which is which is pretty cool. Batman, after all, the world's greatest detective. <laughs> so then we cut again. The next thing we see is some news presenters once again, and they're like without makeup this time, which is quite funny. They got like spots and stuff. They look terrible. Yeah. And um, and then we get back to because obviously the everyone no one knows what is causing these deaths, so they're avoiding all this shit. They don't know if it's in the food or the fucking. Uh, underarm deodorant and all this shit and then um and then uh what happens next yeah vicky vale is gets invited to a date by who she, she thinks is bruce wayne and she calls up bruce wayne and she's like yeah i'm gonna be late and then he's like wait what like you know and then he's like oh something something's wrong here so she goes to this museum and she's waiting for ages for bruce wayne's show up because she's late but then he's late as well and she's like oh i'm bored shitless you know we don't have phones it's 1989 and uh and then obviously the joker shows up oh man i gotta say i love this scene as well like it's so good just yeah playing the music the laugh- just running around it's not the laughing gas but he pumps some kind of knockout gas into the museum she gets a little mask and then yeah he kicks open the door and this is where we get the first print song um i think he's party man and uh this is amazing like you said he's going around they're trashing all the part the pictures they're making their own arts basically that I, I like particularly when they're painting a statue in the Joker kind of white skin, green hair, red lips and all that. It's amazing. The, just the imagery and, and the way it goes with the music. Now, I want to ask you, like, the Prince music in this film, because we only hear the Prince, two Prince songs in this film, right? And how did you feel about it? Because this is something that divides opinion. This is one of the things that definitely divides opinion about this film. And how did you feel about it, this Prince music? Because it did seem a bit strange but it worked for me i don't know well i feel that it i mean obviously you know it was a thing at the time and uh some people feel like it kind of dates it a bit but you know i i didn't feel like i didn't feel as much of a problem in in that regard but i do love the way that just this scene in particular where he's like he's, he's walking around he's got like a, a goon just to hold like you know the boom box to play it all <laughs> out and it's yeah. just it's another one of those things where it's just it's ridiculous but it's serious at the same time, and Tim Burton pulls it off as well. It's just yeah, like I, I re- as soon as I saw that the guy walking, I was like, yeah, this is probably going to be very good. Um, I mean, I can understand why someone wouldn't like it. You know, if they if they feel like you know they hear something from like that's just so eighties and it's just yeah, uh, that's true. But personally, I don't think it's really a problem. It's more of an asset, if anything. Yeah, I think it works uh, because I always have a thing. It's very. It's you have to really get it spot on when you're putting like a song, like an actual kind of real song that isn't part of the soundtrack, like into a film. And it's very easy to get wrong, basically. You know, it's very easy to fuck that up. Um, and some great examples, even within Batman itself, because you have, for example, fucking Suicide Squad, right? Yeah, the Seven Nation Army, man. <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, you've just got hell? a whole playlist in Suicide Squad of just all these pop songs, and they're just all shit. None of them work. I hate. I hate that. That film alone would have been a lot better if they just didn't do that. But anyway, uh, and then you've got, for example, in the Batman, they have something in the way, and that works perfectly. So it's a fine line. And I think this Prince one is the closest you can get, where it's like it really pushes it, but because it's Jack Nicholson, because it's Prince, who was obviously very big at the time. Uh, although it was nearly going to be Jack, um, sorry, Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. He was, yeah, yeah he was, he was originally going to do the romance songs, whatever. But yeah, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe people wouldn't have been a. Uh... Yeah, I wonder what people would have thought about the film if Michael Jackson had done the music. Oh, well, who knows, man? 
I mean, for me, Prince is more of like he's Prince is kind of like a kind of like a budget Michael Jackson anyway, right? I mean, when I personally, this might sound very ignorant to Michael Jackson fans, but I, I, I like Michael Jackson. I'm kind of like a casual sort of fan of his. Obviously, like most people are, he's obviously a legend. And when I hear Prince, who I don't know so much about, it just sounds like Michael Jackson kind of, he sounds like Michael Jackson to me. It's like kind of the same thing, basically, same kind of vibes. And even his music videos and stuff, he's kind of like, yeah, this is basically like Michael Jackson copycat. But it works. And anyway, so then we get to, uh, he's fucking up all these paintings and he sees one which is like, oh, the George Washington $1 bill. And he's like, oh, you know, makes a comment on that. And he sits down with Vicky Vale and he uses a flamethrower like thing to light the candles that was pretty cool <laughs> again just these over the top gadgets which is so funny it's so good yeah it's like a whole play on you know the uh little clown tricks as well like you know yeah the uh what's called the little flower that it's not like a water water thing it's like right. a, he's made it horrific you know right with the exactly. acid um so anyway so he gets the portfolio and he's like yeah this is all shit crap 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 and oh, this one is good. And now uh, I want you to photograph me and follow my journey while I, you know, fuck people up. And uh, she's like, you're insane. And she, he's like, no, no way. Let me show you this, uh, my previous work. And um, and she bring he brings out Alicia, who's been disfigured. And she's wearing this, like, mask. And the mask looks way scarier than, like, her actual face, to be honest. I don't know about you. Like, the mask is, like, really scary. And then she takes it off and you're like, eh, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit. Bad, but just a, just a, you know, an acid attack, like God. pretty much. But it's not even like a proper acid attack. It's like a little bit on the side. Well, I mean, could be worse. Well, yeah. But anyway, pretty horrific. Well, I mean, still pretty traumatic to go through. And she, when Vicky Vale sees it, she's like, "Oh, I'm fucked," you know. And then, and she's like, and it's a funny line. She says, "Uh, you know, like you must be joking." And then he goes, "Don't look like I'm joking." Obviously, with his face. Um. <laughs> And then he's like, yeah. And then he starts really like showing more and more he's insane, and she's getting more and more freaked out. And he's like, yeah, have a whiff of my posy. And then another classic Joker gadget, the acid flower, only just misses her. And uh, and then she throws water in his face, and she he does like a whole uh, spoof of um, the Wizard of Oz. You know, he's like, oh, I'm melting, I'm melting. I love that little bit. And then he goes, boo, you know. And you just see these streaks of water down his face where he's like. The makeup has come off and it's like the white skin underneath. So good, once again. I love it. Yeah. And then um, and then obviously at this moment, I think it is, is where uh, Batman shows up. He crashes through the ceiling, making a like classic sort of Batman entry into a scene. And it's so cool because he grabs Vicky Vale and then he points this sort of gun at the Joker's face. And then it shoots out of either side, right? The Joker's following it. The acting is amazing, once again. And uh, and Batman, it's just a zip line, and he zooms off, and uh, yeah, is and this the point? This... Is this the point where he says, "Oh, where did he get all these toys, or something?" Yeah, iconic that. line once again. Yeah, where does where does he get all these wonderful toys? <laughs> and um, and promptly enough, I uh, we get the Batmobile revealed, and phew, what a fucking car, man! I don't know about you, but I mean, we can rank the Batmobiles right now. This Batmobile for me, number one. And we'll probably remain there for the I mean, yeah, given, my, given, my personal yeah, ranking. Given the previous film, I mean, I, I, I do quite like the design of that car, but this one is, yeah, again, <laughs> I keep coming back to the animated series, which was inspired off mm. of this. Like, I do quite like it. it. It's it's slightly, like, impractical if you were actually to use it on the road, but <laughs> given how long it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, it's the Tim Burton world, so it kind of makes sense that it's almost exaggerated like this. 
And actually, a little fun fact about this was um, this Batmobile, when the uh, production team had sort of designed like the uh, the first sort of like um, mock up of it, um, he asked them like, "Where's the doors?" Because they forgot to put doors on it, and because they they'd forgotten about it, he kind of had the idea um, to copy sort of like the Harrier jump jets like cockpit that slides back, which is why. Yeah, this Batmobile has that instead of you know side doors, which I thought was quite right. interesting. Right. Yeah, and and as well as I heard because obviously they didn't take into account how the Batman cowl the ears were like too tall for the thing. So when they first filmed it with Batman sat in the Batmobile, the thing the cockpit closed on his ears, so they had to like make a special cowl to reduce it just for those for those <laughs> shots, which is quite funny. But anyway, so yeah, this Batmobile is just awesome man it's so it's just it doesn't really do much in this film but just aesthetically it is for me my favorite batmobile when when someone tells me about the batmobile i think of this one i love the 60s one as well and in a way i love all the batmobiles but this one in, in particular is just this is the batmobile for me it's so just the the like i say just aesthetically speaking and just it the design of it the wings the back the 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 front is just so it's so, it, like I say, it's quite impractical, obviously, to drive around like a normal car, but it's obviously not a normal car. It's the Batmobile. It's just, it is to Batman what the Aston Martin DB5 is to James Bond, right? And it's just this, and this one just really, for me, embodies Batman. And this is one of those things which they really focused on, and I think they really put a lot of attention and effort into making this Batmobile really good, and it paid off, because to this day, it just it just looks stunning. So anyway... Uh, so anyway, they drive about a bit and they are pursued by these Joker cars, which I just appreciate a lot. It's just a little touch, which they didn't have to do, but they just went that extra mile to paint the cars purple and do the roofing green. Yes. I, know, I love that. No one of those things at the ridiculous world showing up, you know. I love it, though. It's just it's a little quite touch. nice. It is a little bit over the top, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, that is um, the point. He is over the top. It's like... Yeah, exactly. It just shows in everything. Yeah. And then... Um, and so anyway, so then for whatever reason, they're brought to a halt. So they have to exit the Batmobile uh, and then Batmobile activates the shield mode on it. So um, it gets covered up in this armor, which is pretty cool. And uh, and they're running off and they come to a dead end in an alleyway. And you get a little comedy moment here where he goes, you know, how much do you weigh? And she's like 120 or whatever it is in pounds. And uh, they shoot up onto the grapple hook. And he lets her go so she can go to safety and he drops back down. He falls into this pile of trash, which pretty undignified for Batman, but that's, that's how it is. And uh, they shoot him and they think, yeah, we fucking killed him. And then they didn't because he's got this armor on. And uh, and just as they're about to take off his mask, uh, she takes a photograph and that gives him a chance to like, you know, like fucking take him down. They have a bit of a fight, a bit of a scrap going on here. And... Uh, one of which is a fucking ninja, which comes out in like all these swords. This is another moment where I'm like, maybe this is like a little bit too far, but it is kind of quite funny where it's like all these swords and shit and Batman punches him and shit. He just does this exaggerated death. Bob pops up and he's like got a knife and then Batman's like, you know, does the little, uh, is it Bruce Lee with the little, you know, beckons and he's like, nah, fuck this. He's out of there. Uh, and then he finds Vicky Vale and he's like, you weigh a little bit more than 180 or whatever and she's like oh fuck off you know um nice little comedy moment there he calls the batmobile back they get in the batmobile and then once again this is like for me a really iconic scene where they're just they're just driving in the batmobile right 
and the score the of this part of the music is called descent into mystery and it's just awesome this kind of just this montage of the batmobile just driving around through the woods over hills and shit it's so fucking good man and then she's in the batmobile and looking at him like wow you know what the fuck is going on where we're going and he's not saying anything yeah exactly because by this point you know no one even knows if like batman's actually a good decent guy because you know just been abducted by one crazy dude this could be another one pretty much and uh it's so good it's so good this descent the music this this particular track is just i love it and they drive into the bat cave and the design of the bat cave as well is beautiful they've got um some bats in a cage and he's oh he just says yeah the the great survivors just a little throwaway line there but I, i quite like that and they have a little uh little chat and um She's trying to look at him like up close and he keeps turning and like, you know, making sure she can't see. And um and basically and he, and she's like he she he gives him like basically he's cracked the code for the Joker's smilex thing, so he's like, You need to give this to the press so people you can warn people and she's like, Oh, you could just posted this to me and he's like, Yeah, there's something else I need. He pulls the cape over her and she wakes up in uh in her bed in her room. And he's obviously like groped or some shit, man. He's like, he's had a little bit of a down moment there. And he's uh, pulled out the camera, the pictures that she took of him. So she doesn't have them anymore, but she does have those files that she gave him. So she dishes, she dishes them out to the press. And um, and they're like, oh, okay, well, um, this is great. Is Batman a friend or a foe? So basically the whole thing is like, oh, he's cracked the Joker's formula. And it's once again, the attention's on Batman and the Joker sees this and he's like, I've given a new name to my pain, and it is Batman, and he shoots the TV. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just like the destruction of the TV. I just love it. Like, he just gets worse and worse each time. Joker's going through TV. He's like, there's no tomorrow, man. Yeah. And uh, the next thing is uh, Alfred tells Bruce Wayne, he's like, you know, like, maybe you should just uh, go and tell Vicky Vale who you are. And he's like, yeah, it's a good idea. So he goes over to her place, and she, he walks in, and she's pissed off because... When was the last time they saw each other? When they hooked up, or when? Yeah, when he. I think it was when he lied about the business trip or something. Yeah, and they made eye contact when the Joker yeah. himself, right? Oh and yeah, maybe yeah. Because like yeah, there's another like a chance for him to show off his like comedic acting, you know? Or actually, even more so her, because I love the bit where it's like yeah, you know, I, I have a secret, and she's like, oh my god, you're married, and he's yeah. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was quite funny. I like that. Um, and yeah, it, it is quite nice. And it, this is a little, it's, it's, it's an interesting insight into this kind of, it's um, Michael Keaton's portrayal of Bruce Wayne and Batman because he's, he wants to tell her, but he can't. And he's just really trying. And yeah, you have this funny, like little bit of dialogue there while he's trying to get it out and he's struggling to, the doorbell rings and who else but the Joker walks in and he says the exact same thing. This is again, trying to show the duality between Batman and Joker because they both come in and they say, Oh, lots of space, you know. They make the exact same comment about her flat. And uh, Batman can hear this. Bruce Wayne is there and he's like, oh, shit, that's the Joker. Uh, let me get this makeup train, put it in my shirt uh, for later. And, uh, and and Joker's going over to Vicky Vell and he's like, yeah, you know, I've just recently accounted a tragedy. Alicia threw herself out a window. And uh, it's unclear whether or not he killed her or if she actually did commit suicide. Either way... He goes, you know, he puts the mask on the mantelpiece and he's like, and another iconic line, you know, um, to make an omelette, you have to break a few eggs, smashes the mask and he's like laughing and shit. And she's obviously terrified. And then uh, Bruce Wayne pops up and he's like, 
oh, another rooster in the hen house, you know, I like that line. Mm-hmm. And um, and Wayne, I don't really understand this this bit. I to this day, I've read everything about this film and I don't really get it. But Bruce Wayne does this weird speech, which um, you know climaxes in him picking up an, a, a poker iron and he goes, oh, let's get nuts, you know, you want to get nuts. And I don't really know what he's trying to do, like provoke the Joker to do something, which he does. He shoots Bruce Wayne. But before doing so, he says, uh, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Which for me, because this line gets repeated three times in the film and they're trying to like do something with it, which doesn't work for me personally. This is one of the weaker moments, I think, because it's like you want to dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. And it's like, I don't know about you, but for me, it's just like, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, it does. It does. It's a bit of a strange thing that they repeat constantly. Yeah, well, it's constantly, out of character. It drops in a few times. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of again, it's like very important to the plot, right? Because because of this, Batman works out that Joker killed his parents. But we'll get to that. So he says that, and then after he shot Bruce Wayne, he goes, "Never rub a man, never rub another man's rhubarb." Which again, yeah, that that line, man. And he could pull it off. Because obviously Jack Nicholson, he he made this performance so his own. It's just like you can just imagine Tim Burton just letting the cameras run and just doesn't really give any directions to Jack Nicholson. Just you know, do your thing, you know. And uh, this is these quotes, you know, uh, another rooster in the hen house, another rubber, another man's rhubarb. I love it. <laughs> and um, and he exits in a dramatic way. He's like blows a raspberry and all that. And uh, and it just ends with Vicky Vale opening up a present, a box with. Uh, hand with dead flowers in it. Another Joker gag. I love it. And anyway, then we cut to um, Vicky Vale back at the uh, newspaper place, Gotham Globe. I think it is right. Yeah, something along those lines. Maybe it's uh, inspired from the uh, the we- uh, Daily Planet. You know. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, so then we get um, Knox is there. By the way, how do you feel about this Knox character? We haven't really spoken about him and. I don't know, because he, he, the guy, the character himself is quite good and he brings a bit of comic relief and everything, but I just think he wasn't really necessary in this film. He's just there to kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when you know, I guess if you're next to Jack Nicholson, then, you know, it's going to be a bit difficult. True, but I think he just he's just quite annoying to me whenever he's in, he could have been a bit more of a subtle character, but like with less of a, less of a role, but I don't know, he was okay. Oh. So anyway. Vicky Vale, uh, basically, she shows about she sh- he shows her about his research on Bruce Wayne. He's like, yeah, he's fucked up, you know. And look at what happened to him. And they see about his parents and shit. And she's like, oh fucking hell, that's why he laid down the roses. And um, and it also cuts back to uh, Bruce Wayne uh, in the Batcave, and he has a little Vietnam flashback because he's thinking about what um, Joker said to him, and he's like, you know, never uh, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight. And when he's thinking about it, he realizes like, oh shit, man. He thinks back, he has a Vietnam flashback back to when his parents got shot. And he's like, and he remembers the killer then going, another, uh, you know, saying that exact same quote. And he's like, oh, so the Joker killed my parents. And I didn't like this, to be honest. Like, because first of all, it makes the Joker at least 20 years older than Bruce Wayne, which maybe he was in this film, but. I, I never liked that. I always think Bruce Wayne and, and Joker should be roughly the same age, you know, but in this film, because of just because of this moment, it makes him at least 20 years older, right? Yeah, it's another and, problem they have with Whacking Phoenix as well as well. So, uh, so then he's, yeah, and by the way, the actor for the young Joker is really good, man, because it's like this young Jack Nicholson and he, he looks really good because Jack has got quite a unique kind of face, you know, but it works. And, um, 
And then when he's when he's having this flashback, Alfred takes it upon himself to bring Vicky Vale into the Batcave. And this is just the worst two moments of this film, just in the same two minutes, because you have Joker being the killer of Batman's parents and also Alfred bringing a stranger, an outsider, into the Batcave. Both of those things should never happen in a Batman film, and they got they got a lot of stick for it. Tim Burton and the script writers and everything. I don't know whose decision it was. I don't think it was either of them, but still, it was just like... I think the Joker thing was to raise the stakes a bit. I mean, I don't think that was necessary anyway, but... Um, to make joke of Bruce Wayne's parents' as killers, the point of the of Batman's parents is it's just a random bum who killed them, right? And he doesn't really know. Or either that or it's Joe Chill, like in Batman Begins, but still. Um, it shouldn't have been the Joker, but they go with it anyway. And yeah, Alfred brings Vicky Vells to the Batcave, just giving away Bruce Wayne's identity, which yeah, it's I, I, saw, awesome. I think the script writer said um that would that would that wasn't you know, he he basically washed his hands, he said that wasn't my idea. Because obviously, if Alfred did that, that would be his last day of employment. <laughs> so, um, yeah, literally. So yeah, um, and I think they, re- you know, they recanted of that. Tim Burton was like, "Yeah, I know that was a mistake. It wasn't my idea, or whatever." But anyway, they do it. Vicky Vale comes, and the scene is still kind of good because they have this nice little like back and forth and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, I, I like you, but uh, you know, I've got to do this thing first. I am the Batman. I need to focus on this shit. And we get a cool little montage of him with the Batman music, and he puts on his bat suit, which is really cool. He does the belt and the the helmet, the uh, cowl, and everything. That's really cool. He so he suits up, and then you get the music charge of the Batmobile, and it's like this epic music of Batman in, in the Batmobile because uh, he goes into Axis Chemicals and he blows up that factory. And by the way, Batman's not supposed to kill, and he definitely kills at least like. Whoever's in that factory, right? He kills at least a dozen people. Yeah, in that. I think this might be where some of the, yeah, where some of that influence from you know the you know Batman Returns and the uh, the Killing Joke, you know, sorry, the Dark Knight Returns and the Killing Joke sort of comes in, you know, because in those he also kills people. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't like seeing that personally. I like I'm a bit purist when it comes to that. I don't like seeing Batman use guns or killing people, unless it's in the Nightmare. <laughs> but uh, other than that, you know. But that happens here. He kills some people. He's not even in the Batmobile, as it turns out, because the Batmobile comes outside and Batman's there. And he looks up and he sees um, the Joker's helicopter again. It's just done in the purple and white and green style with the Joker's face on it. It's so cool, man. It's a little bit almost cheesy, but it just works so well. And the Joker's like laughing at him. And Batman's like, fuck, you know. Um, So he blows up Smilex. He blows up Axis Chemicals, all of that shit, and uh, and the Joker gets away on his helicopter. And now we're getting to the finale of this film. So we get the Joker entering in for the 200th anniversary, because earlier on, I forgot to mention, obviously the mayor comes out and he's like, okay, fuck this, there's too much shit happening in Gotham, we're cancelling this 200th anniversary. And Joker goes, nah, you know what? I don't want to be the cause of anything. I'm going to personally step out, remove my makeup, and I'm going to throw a celebration. I'm going to dump $20 million onto the people of Gotham. I'm going to take off my mask. Batman, can you do the same? He calls him out, basically. He's like, he's sending for Batman, diss track, you know. Yeah, I like and, that. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, the, the scenes are flow, actually. There's a, amazing. There's an, there's an interesting thing with this scene, because apparently, mm-hmm. in the very, one of the early versions of the scripts, um, they were going to introduce Robin's parents as sort of like, uh, I think like trapeze artists or something, 
that the Joker shoots and then, you know, get Robin gets introduced to character either later in this film or later in another film. But mm-hmm. like that with that kind of setup. But I think Tim Burton didn't want to use Robin at all in his films. So that's another thing they want cut from the film. That's a good call as well, yeah, because originally when they were first thinking about this film, there was, it was going to be Batman and Robin, and then it was like, Robin's just going to be a cameo, and then it was Dick Grayson, and then they just scrapped it all together. Good decision, I think. But anyway, uh, that is quite interesting. I didn't know that. But yeah, we get basically, this is the second Prince song that we get, and this is my one of my favourite scenes in this film. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just Jack Nixon letting it all out, man. He's there on this float. He's literally dancing to the Prince music. Um and you've got he's dishing out this money he's like literally doing like what everyone's dream is right to get a bunch of cash and just be like douche and then chucking like bags of it fistfuls of it like throwing out this money it's so cool in the original scripts i think there was going to be a bit where it's because earlier in the museum he he sees the one dollar bill and he's like i want my face on the one dollar bill and in the original script it was going to be uh there was a scene where the people of gotham they pick up the money and they realize it's counterfeit and it's it's the one dollar bill but with Joker's face in it, which would have been pretty cool. They cut it out for whatever reason. But anyway, so he's throwing cash on the on the streets. It's going on for about three minutes with this music, and it, I love it. This trust thing is the, the music. The song is called Trust, right? And then you've got Jack going hubba hubba hubba, money, money, money. Who do you trust? Me? I'm giving out free money. And where is the Batman? He's at home washing his tights, <laughs> and he's just like laughing, man. He loves it. He's just antagonizing Batman. He's so obsessed with it. He's so good. Um, and you've got uh, Knox and Vicky Velshop as well. And Knox is being a judgmental fuck, you know. He's there like, oh, look at all these peasants gathering up the cash. And I was like, oh, Gotham's greed, you know, these scum, you know, picking up free money. I'm, I'm better than them. I don't know. I didn't really like that. But And then we get um, the Batwing shows up. This is so cool. This is the first time we see the Batwing. And this is, I don't think we've seen a Batwing since, unless I'm you mistaken. You have the fly, the Dark Knight Returns, but I'm not sure if it is actually the Batwing. Yeah, like no, it's not. Way, it's, you know, it's, the Tumblr's it's not the Batmobile. The Bat, and it, I hate it, to be honest. We'll, we'll get there anyway, but uh, the, the Batwing, again, and I think this is one of the things they did in this film, they did it so well that they can never replicate it, because they can't top it, basically. Um, this Batwing is sensational, Just and especially the shot where it, it comes a little bit later, but he goes up into the sky and you get the silhouette on the moon and it's the bat symbol. Goes back down. Amazing. It's so good. These shots, just these little shots, and you get a lot of Gotham as well in this scene because obviously Batman's flying over it and it's like, it's so good, man. But anyway, so uh, where is the Batman? And uh, yeah, Joker pulls out this really long radio, this exaggerated like antenna, and he's like, and uh, now, you know, you can all fuck off basically and he lets out this joker gas from the balloons and the batwing comes and it like basically captures all these balloons takes them away into the sky and joker's like oh he stole my balloons man why didn't anyone tell me about this and he asks bob for his gun he shoots bob and it's like oh no man like i was sad to see bob go i don't know about you but um it was a quite funny way to get rid of him though yeah it was quite just funny, like you yeah. know you're my you're my best guy and he's just yeah like, yeah and give me your gun where he just shoots him with his own gun yeah. And again, it's, it's Joker being like psychotic, you know, he's just shot his right-hand man with his own gun. And uh, Knox as well in this bit. Knox goes, this is the last we see of Knox, and it's really weird because he just goes nuts. He gets out a baseball bat and he starts like beating down these goons and stuff. It's like does nothing, achieves nothing. And then later on, he jumps on the windshield of his own car and 
Vicky Vell like drives him into some trash or whatever. It's a bit strange. I don't think they needed that. But anyway. Yeah, that guy was a bit of a strange person to have in this film. Yeah, it didn't really work for me. But anyway, so then what happens? Yeah, this is a great scene. We have um so then what happens is we have a standoff, Batman versus the Joker. And this is basically when you watch this, you realize Heath Ledger basically copied this, right? Because there's obviously that iconic scene in The Dark Knight where Batman is on the on the bat cycle and he's driving into the Joker and he's like, oh, come on, hit me, you know, and he's like shooting at him and stuff. And this exact thing is what Jack Nixon did, but it's versus the Batwing. So the Batwing is coming down. It's got these Gatling guns on it, shooting down, like, like destroys the, the float, but not it shoots either side of the Joker. Missiles targeting him as well, which go off either side of him. I don't know if it's Batman deliberately missing, but it's a bit strange, man. He's like trying to mow down the Joker. I'm like, <laughs> this isn't really Batman. But anyway, and he misses basically, and the Joker goes, okay, my turn. And he pulls out the longest gun ever, like this pistol with like a fucking 20-inch barrel on it. And that's enough to bring down the Batwing. Um, so he does that. The Batwing uh, crashes, and um, and basically the, the Joker sees Vicky Vale, picks her up, and he goes, yep, we're going to the top of this cathedral. And he radios up to the helicopter, and he's like, yeah, I need uh, transport for two, and um, we're going to need five minutes. And then he looks up at the tallest building of all time, and he goes, make it ten minutes. And a fun fact is that from the moment he says that to the moment he gets on the helicopter, this actually plays out in real time. It actually takes him 10 minutes to get up there and they have to fight and everything. Oh, I like that detail. Yeah, it's a nice little, nice little moment there. I don't know if it's deliberate, but yeah, interesting to know. Again, the music is great here. Um, as they're entering into it and they're climbing up the stairs and everything, Batman, <laughs> he's like a bit concussed, obviously, from this, um, from yeah, the Batwing crashing. Plan, basically. Yeah, uh, he knocks down all these pews in the cathedral. It's kind of everyone's dream, right? If you've ever been in a, in one of these kind of churches and you see all the pews there and you're like, oh, can you imagine doing dominoes with these? And Batman actually does it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, so eventually they walk up to the top of this cathedral. Uh, Joker's there and he uses his... This is really cool because he uses the acid flower again to like, um, basically corrode the things holding up this giant bell. And the bell goes crashing down all the way down this tower. It nearly wipes out Batman. It lands on the bottom. It blocks the police from being able to come up as well. Because obviously there's only one entrance to this massive cathedral. And um, and then we get basically the Joker's dancing around with Vicky Vale while Batman gets up there and he fights off some of the goons. This fight scene, the action here isn't very good, I think, because obviously the, the Batsuit itself is very stiff. Mark Keaton's movements in it are very stiff, so... They're very limited with the actual action they could do in it. I think it works. Although Batman outright kills someone by throwing him down this tower. Um, but anyway, Batman gets yeah, Batman a bit get, done. Yeah, Batman gets the shit kicked out of him, man. He's like being thrown through walls and shit. He's getting battered, you know, while Joker's dancing around with Vicky Vale. She's like basically had enough, man. She's basically limp there. So they're, they're having a fight, and then anyway, so Batman takes out all the goons. Vicky Vale looks up, and while she's dancing with the Joker, she sees Batman behind him, so she's like, oh, yeah, Mr. Joker, I actually love you now. Uh, I want to suck you off. And uh, she goes, <laughs> she gets down on her knees, and uh, and then Batman goes, oh, excuse me, have you seen the devil dance in the pale moonlight? And it's just the execution. I didn't like this at all, and it's just like, oh, okay, this is what the whole film revolves around. I don't like it. But anyway, he starts beating up Joker, punches him and shit. He's like fucking him up. And uh, 
And he's like, yeah, you killed my parents. I'm Bruce Wayne. Like, what the fuck, you know, like, like basically revealing who he is. And Joker's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, I don't fucking remember that shit. I killed loads of people in my youth, you know. And anyway, they, they have some fun gags here because Batman punches him through a wall. And then Joker, like, spits out some, like, you know, chatter teeth thing, you know, which is quite funny. And then he goes, you know, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. And then he fucking hits him, obviously. And then, yeah. And then you've got, uh, and then somehow, one way or another, Joker gets Batman and Vicky Vale hanging off the edge of this cathedral they're like basically clinging on for dear life while the helicopter shows up and uh joke is there and the police spotlight is on him and he's like stood next to this gargoyle and he goes hey, you know what are you laughing at it's quite funny uh he also you know lends lends him a hand or vicky valley lends her a hand and she pulls off like a fake hand obviously quite funny batman catches her the chopper arrives Joker gets onto this uh, onto the ladder and Batman throws the batarang, attaches it to Joker's leg and the gargoyle. That basically leads to Joker's death because he's hanging onto this this ladder and obviously the goons don't realise they're trying to take off and he's got this fucking, I don't know how heavy that stone gargoyle must have been, man, for him like, not to rip his arms off or whatever. But um, anyway, he goes rung by rung and he has this kind of pretty epic death scene. It is still killing the Joker, which I don't like. Although... It is, I mean, obviously it kills him, but it's also kind of like, because his death, right? Because Gordon finds him at the bottom and it's like, he's got this laughing. It's so cool the way the, the camera spirals onto him and it's like this laugh, this kind of like from a toy, right? Yeah, I, did, I, I remember watching that and I was like, oh, really? Did Batman just kill the Joker? And I was like, oh. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the advantages of not having seen or heard much about this film because I hadn't, like, um, that wasn't spoiled to me. And I was like, oh, I was quite oh, really? surprised by that. I didn't even know he killed him in it. Oh, really? That's really good. Yeah, because obviously, this is the thing. When you watch this film, also for the listeners, right? I mean, me and Henry have never actually discussed this film. This is the because you only watched it recently, and I I talked about it before, but not in great detail. And when we decided we we're going to do this podcast, I said you've got to watch this fucking film because it's a fucking great film anyway, right? And we agreed not to talk about it until we recorded it. So that's really good. You got to actually watch this film with that kind of fresh like view of it so that's really good um that must have been really yeah because he does kill the joker and it's like oh okay it's in a pretty cool way though to be fair if you're going to kill the joker that's i guess a good way to do it and as a standalone film it does i guess it works and i, I don't know how i really feel about that although in a way the way they kill him it's kind of it almost feels a little bit ambiguous so i feel like they could somehow bring in this if they did do a sequel and they brought him back i feel like there is a way they could have done it but obviously it doesn't happen but Anyway, and this is pretty much the end of the film. So the Joker's dead. Gordon's like, yeah, Gotham is safe again. Here's a letter from Batman that he wrote to us. And it's just this epic speech. It's like, yeah, when, whenever you need me, whenever there's fear in the streets, you can call upon me. And uh, Knox goes, yeah. Oh, yeah, we see Knox again. He goes, yeah, so um, how do you call him? And then he's like, he gave us a signal and then he'll throw on the bat signal, which is really cool. Alfred picks up Vicky Vale in a Rolls-Royce Phantom fucking amazing classic car man uh and fun facts this rolls royce has the steering wheel on the right just like uh english cars so because alfred's english and it was also oh, I, didn't know that. I didn't know they did that like little detail for him very very subtle. it might be convenient because they obviously filmed this in pinewood in, in london in england but still and he goes yeah mr wayne's going to be a bit late and she's like oh yeah i figured you know and uh and then the final shot is basically batman just looking over gotham with the uh, bat symbol in the sky, and um, and that's it. And then we get the the Batman theme again, amazing once again. So, uh, and that is Batman 1989. 
So, on to the rankings. And we're actually going to go through, because a lot of the things we rank here are obviously elements that reoccur in most films and uh, most of the films that we're reviewing. Uh, not all of them, but most of them. And obviously, because this is the second episode in our series, so, so far, Batman 1966 is number one in all of them, and now we're going to put Batman 1989, all of the elements. I think it's obviously going to finish number one in most of them, but there are a few that I think actually Batman 66 will remain number one in, but let's go through them. So, so Michael Keaton's Batman versus, and just to, to be clear, we have a separate uh, ranking for Batman and Bruce Wayne. So, as a Batman, what did you think of Michael Keaton's Batman overall? I felt... Yeah, I remember watching this, and it was just... I felt Michael Keaton's Batman was... Obviously, it was different to... Very different to Adam West, but it kind of feels like very... I kind of feel it's quite average hmm. for me personally, because there wasn't anything so iconic about it. Like, he doesn't stand out. I mean, obviously, you know, you have you know Jack Nicholson's joke to compete with, but, you know, even in The Dark Knight and, you know, in, in the, you know, The Batman, you know... The, the Batman actors in that were able to kind of, you know, stand stand their ground, you know, they'd be a, like a presence in the room. But, you know, I mean, yeah, he does he does tank, you know, a lot in a lot of fights, but he, he doesn't come off more as like a, like a force to be reckoned with, you know, like he does in later films. And I don't know, I, I feel that he's just not, he's not that strong, although this was, you know, the first iteration of him in a more serious light after Adam West. So that does put him above him. But... I feel if we uh, are ranking later Batmans, he's going to slip down quite a bit. Yeah, I'm with you there, and I, I, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, I think aesthetically it looks very, it looks good. I mean, it's kind of like a very much a rubber suit with rubber abs and everything, and it, that doesn't really. And again, it is like it's a bat suit built off the frame of quite an average kind of built bloke in 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 Michael Keaton, right? He's not really muscular or toned or anything. I mean more or less like Adam West, you know. I mean, it, I don't think it would have been a huge difference if he even put Adam West in this suit, right? But um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, just I think overall, I mean, we're not specifically talking about the suit. We have a separate ranking for that. But I think Batman's action scenes and Michael Keaton's portrayal of the Batman, it was good and it was obviously like revolutionary for its time. But since then, yeah, I think it's not going to be very high up in the uh, final rankings when we get to the, the Batman. But... I think it was still solid. It was average. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good either. I think you're right. He got overshadowed by the Joker a lot, and as a result, that suffered. But I do like the aesthetic of like it's jet black uh, with just yellow highlights in the belt and the and the and the symbol on his chest. I think that was pretty good. The design they put a lot of effort into the design of the suit, but I think more on an aesthetic level than actually a practical one because he couldn't really move around a lot. It couldn't turn his head or anything. Yeah, just, it did. Yeah, it comes up with like you know. Some of the uh, it did look a little bit out of place almost sometimes. Like his uh, yeah. what's it called like there's that there's that gif of him like turning around in the uh, coming yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I think we're still putting him as number one above Adam West's Batman, right? Yeah, yeah, that's say that. Now Bruce Wayne, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne and Adam West Bruce Wayne. This is where it gets a bit closer for me, and I I would even be tempted to put Adam West Bruce Wayne as number one because Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne is. Like I say, it just lacks that presence that even Adam West has. When Adam West, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne is in the room, you know what he is. He carries this presence and he has this, you know, this authoritative figure. And he's, you know, he's people respect him in the room. In this, when he's at his own mansion in his own fundraiser, he's just like another guy and he's quite anonymous. You know, he doesn't really wear a tuxedo very well. And he's just got these weird 
I mean, I, I know that's deliberate and they wanted to portray Bruce Wayne as this conflicted guy who isn't really sure of himself, but I don't think it really works for Bruce Wayne. And as a result, I think he's going to be quite low down in our rankings either. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I was going to say something similar to that effect because he didn't give off like sort of, yeah, everyone knows in Adam, I mean, in Adam's Westworld, everyone knows who like Batman is and they all love him, but they all know who Bruce Wayne is. You know, he's a respectable guy. Um, and he's, um, yeah, it's like, you know, he, yeah, it's like, he, he, I, I'm, you know, if he was doing a fundraiser, you know, everyone would know who he is. Like the fact that, yeah, Michael Keaton's one could even conceive that he could pretend, you know, yeah. that he doesn't know. Exactly. Oh, yeah, who's Bruce, which one's Bruce Wayne here? It's like, I don't know. And um, it does make you wonder, like, what happened in the like the ten years before this, the events in this film? What was he doing for ten years, man? Just like being an anonymous billionaire, just like I don't know, a bit strange. But yeah, I mean, but would you rank him? Where would you rank him? I mean, compared to Adam West, Bruce Wayne. I might get flack for this, but I probably would actually put it above him. You put Adam West above Michael I remember I can remember him significantly more. Maybe maybe because I have seen that film more times and it's like burned into my memory forever. But yeah. it's he's he's just more of like how I would imagine at least Bruce Wayne, especially in that time, would yeah. be. You know, he's not he doesn't kind of fade into the background of his own mansion almost really. Yeah, I agree. I, I like this uh I, I, I thought I thought Adam West Bruce Wayne was actually okay, and and it, it, it almost it's one of the elements from that that stands the test of time as well. Because if Bruce Wayne was around today, I mean, it's the thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, now he's because it's obviously all got darker and stuff. But there's still like, there's no reason why Bruce Wayne couldn't be like he was in that '60s Batman as well, just like a a, a decent guy, you know, a, a philanthropist and everything, Boy Scout kind of. And why not? Why not? So yeah, uh, I, because I, the modern day hatred of billionaires, perhaps. Well, yeah. Yeah, back then it was like, yeah. like maybe because they weren't then, seen right? rich. Bruce Wayne was only a millionaire in the sixties, Batman. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> now that's... you wouldn't even now you wouldn't even get out of bed for a million, you know. But yeah, I think this Bruce Wayne, it's not bad, but I I think he doesn't really get much of a chance to be Bruce Wayne either because when he does, it is quite good. When he's, for example, in that room with all his like weird artifacts, he does get these moments to show off and flex a bit, and that I think that was good. And that is an example of when he can, he's a little bit more sure of himself and a bit more, you know, alpha or sigma or whatever. But um, at the same time, it kind of lets him down later on in the film where he's like in Vicky Bell's place. And I don't know. Uh, we don't have a Robin. We do have a Joker, though. Cesar Romero and Jack Nicholson. This one, is not even, this one isn't even disputed. Like, no. just has to go at the top. He might, he might forever remain at the top. Who knows? He might well end up number one of this series as well by the time we finish. I mean, he has got stiff competition that comes up, you know, 30 years later, 20 years later, but still. Yeah, it's, it's just Jack and Joker. I mean, it says a lot that this portrayal of Jack and Joker was so good, they didn't, no one bothered doing another Joker until 20 years later with Heath Ledger. And even when they did, they took a totally different angle on it because they knew they wouldn't be able to, you know, surpass this performance, which is just exceptional. And I'll, once again, man... Jack Nixon's Joker, iconic, just an yes. iconic cinema villain. And I love the way he looks. I love that he has all the gadgets, the acid flower, the buzz handshake, um, everything. He's got everything that the Joker should have, you know. And yeah, he I just do like, perfect. Yeah, I do like the way that he kind of, he's the only Joker who's able to really combine all the elements that kind of, you know, make, you know, the Joker the Joker. And the fact that he is like, he's like, he's quite chaotic. Sometimes yeah. he's ridiculous, but it works, and it's 
he's able to keep it serious as well, which kind of shows like his mm. like, insanity almost. But he's also yeah. like smooth as well a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The way that he talks. He, yeah, he has and, got that swagger and everything as well. And I think just Jack Nicholson understood the character so well and portrayed it so well because this is the thing he 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 kept very true to the comic you know the comic book character of the Joker right and I think that that's something that people very much appreciate and people that would rank him number one probably myself included overall above Heath Ledger as well is because he is so accurate to the 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 Joker he is the Joker he's not like someone be pretending to be the Joker like a copycat or some different taking him he's just a pure portrayal of this character accurate to the comics the death you know the transformation scene with the vat of the vat of chemicals that is how the joke was created right and and just all those scenes the quotes once again you know just in the in the surgeon his thing with grissom you know he's like oh you know you could call me joker and then he's like you know he got a hot under the collar the buzz handshake thing all of these scenes his, his standoff with batman it's so good even when he when he punches Batman and he goes, oh, you know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, so I love well, that. I love that. Just these little moments, and Jack Nicholson just absolutely nails it. He nails it, and this is one of my favorite acting performances, just full stop, just because he he just nails this role so well. Uh, he makes it his own, and it's almost like the role he was born to play. Even though he's gone on and obviously played other amazing roles, I'm so glad that the creators of this film did everything they could to make sure. He was doing. He was in this film. He was playing the Joker, and he he was just given the reins to basically do what he wanted with the character because he just absolutely nailed it. The costume design, the makeup on him, everything just perfect, just perfect. Even his goons and they have the little leather jackets with the Joker logo on it. Just these little details, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I've got to love that. I mean, yeah, Caesar Mayo just doesn't have anything on it. <laughs> See, I don't want to hate on him, but yeah, man, just doesn't compare. Um, now we're going to rank the Alfreds. So we've got, um, I don't know, I quite liked the Alan Napier joke, uh, Alfred, sorry, from um, from the 1960s Batman. I, I just didn't like this Alfred, not just because the, the, he was he didn't really do much, and the shit he did do was fucking stupid, like let Vicky Vale into the Batcave. You know, Alfred would never do that. Yeah, and, exactly. His interaction with Bruce Wayne is believable, but it's not very, it, it's, it's, it's authentic, but it feels like it's not as well. And it's just, it comes from a, a much less equal level. They don't really see each other as equals. It is very much he's above him in a way, like he talks down to him a little bit, you know, but like in a very, not in an authoritative manner either. It's more like, you know, like, I don't know. I didn't really like this Alfred very much. And I would actually, I would put him below uh, the 60s Alfred, to be honest. Well, mate, what do you think? I'd probably have to agree on this because for similar reasons because he I mean Alan Napier's one was more kind of he kind of makes me like imagine you know what he would be like you know he's very you know he's very polite he um he does everything you know the proper way yeah he keeps the secret guard as well he doesn't slip up or anything yeah I think that I think that's that's the biggest letdown for this Alfred as well just doing something stupid like that I mean the performance is one thing but when you're doing something like that I mean that's ridiculous man so we're we're agreed on that the 60s Alfred is going above this one right yeah I yeah. think the actor's name is Michael Goff actually it's just come to me I'm gonna look it up but um while while I'm doing so this what we the next one we're going to rank is Commissioner Gordon. So 
I think for similar reasons, I would actually criticise this Gordon for similar reasons to Alfred in just that doesn't really have much to do. And when he does, it's very ordinary. You know, he doesn't really get to, you know, I mean, that's obviously because the writing as well and everything. I don't think it's, it's not necessarily a slight on the actor, but I still think it's like it just didn't stand out to me very much. Um, and maybe I would even put the 60s out uh, Gordon above him. But what do you think there? I mean, yeah, it's just in the way that, I mean, the way I kind of rank them in my mind is if, you know, they're memorable and enjoyable um, mm -hmm. when you remember them, because, you know, they can be memorable, but also for a bad reason. Right. This guy, again, he just, yeah, he's got the same problem with Alfred and that he kind of fades into the background a bit. He doesn't, he's not so bad in that he doesn't, he makes like blunders or like stupid like decisions, but, uh, or like slips up or something like that. But, He's just not, um, he doesn't have that screen presence and he just doesn't, not um, sure. yeah, he doesn't really do much in the film itself. As it, it doesn't do anything particularly iconic. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, when we're comparing it with the 60s Commissioner Gordon as well, I mean, I think he did it well in that, uh, for the fact that he had to deliver all these, like, like <laughs> some of those ridiculous lines and, like, you know, those serious tones and he just, He's able to pull it off, and like, yeah, he takes everything like so seriously in such a, it which makes it comedic itself, uh, which suits you know, though that film yeah. and the TV series itself. So, for I the think, job, um, yeah, for the job they do, he does it better, I think. Although they're not, it's hard to compare them because of the way the worlds they're in, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a tough one. I mean. I think the, the, these will both end up very low overall. I mean, because obviously we get onto like really, really strong. You've got Gary Oldman and Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon's, which, I mean, we'll get there eventually. But yeah, I think these these two, this Alfred and this Gordon, and funnily enough, the only two, like I said, the only two recurring actors um, that appear in all four of this kind of installment of Batman, they're not memorable. And for that reason alone, and and because the Alfred and the Gordon from uh, the 60s, they were memorable and not for the wrong reasons. I think they, they played their part in that universe and it kind of worked. So I think I would put this Commissioner Gordon below actually the 60s one as well, just because he's not he does he's not memorable. He doesn't really do anything. Yeah, that, that's why I'd agree with you for that reason. It's just I'd rather I personally rather see like in isolation, probably the. Um, the 60s Commissioner Gordon over this one because I, don't, I barely even remember this guy. I mean, although yeah. like, although the 60s Commissioner Gordon wouldn't fit in, you know, modern Batman, <laughs> I'm not judging <laughs> he it based on... He fired, man. He would never even get to Commissioner. He wouldn't even be... He would fail the police test, man. You know what I mean? Like, like gets Commissioner status. Yeah, right? yeah like the rock... You imagine him doing like a Ross, a Ross Art test or something. Like, yeah. I think, and again, it's just a symptom of this film, like I said at the beginning, where it's like they were so focused on... Jack Nicholson's Joker, the Batmobile, the music elements like that, which and the the um, the set design and everything, the makeup, they were so focused on these really outstanding qualities and things like Alfred and Gordon just got left to the side a little bit. It's not the actor's fault or anything like that. It's just it's just the way the film panned out. So on the other hand, I, I don't I didn't want to see more of this Gordon or Alfred either. They're just just not memorable. But anyway, enough about them. Um, Batmobile, we kind of already spoke about. I think this is number one and might well end up at the end of the list. Yeah. But there's not a huge difference between this Batmobile and the 60s one because I, I love the 60s one as well. 
And it's not like it's night and day, you know. They're both very, very good Batmobiles. But this one is just number one for mm -hmm. sure. And I love this Batmobile. And we get to see more of it in Batman Returns, obviously the film we're going to do next week. But the other, next one, Batsuit, the Batsuit. What do we think? I mean, we kind of already spoke about this as well. The yeah, it's a large like upgrade to say that for sure. Obviously, it's better than the fucking spandex tights that Adam West Batman had to wear. I mean, the, the colour scheme of blue wouldn't have been terrible, I think. But um, I'm glad they went with black. I, mean, I like that it was jet black. Yeah. yeah, I like that. But the mask itself and everything, I didn't, I didn't like the material that is rubber. I, I didn't really like that. Yeah, it's, it's like there's something a little off about it. Yeah, you can imagine it, that it kind of really makes... sweaty to wear. You know, you look at that, you think, oh man, you would just like when you take it off, you would just it would just slide off you from like, you know yeah, because I mean? like that's that <laughs> might be one of the things that made uh, me sort of like sort of question his like performance as Batman because. I think the fact that the suit was made of rubber or whatever material it was, latex or something, <clears throat> yeah, it made him kind of look more like a dude dressed as Batman rather than Batman. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, in The Dark Knight, at the beginning of that film, when they have the copycat Batmans pop up. Yeah, that's and that it. was one of them. He's wearing that suit, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad suit, but, I mean, for the time, it was very important. Yeah, it's a, that... it was a step-forward suit, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. And it had to be a certain way just to make sure everyone realised how serious this Batman portrayal was. But I think over the test of time, it's not going to end up very high on the list. But for now, it's number one, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, theme song. Again, we spoke about this at the beginning. Theme song is fucking amazing, man. Uh, that's number one for me. Might well end up at the end of the series as well. We agreed on that. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Um... New entry, we've got Love Interest. So Batman's Love Interest in this one is Vicky Vale. In the previous film, we didn't really rank it because she was Catwoman, but still, like... What did you think of this dynamic, actually? Because I think this is something that divides opinion as well, because this Vicky Vale, Bruce Wayne thing... What did you what did you think of this? And, you know... Well, did you like I it, feel... or was it a bit too much of a distraction? I don't know. Yeah, I feel there were a lot of things they were playing around with this in, in this film. I mean, I say a lot of things, mainly just the reporting part that make it a little bit that do kind of muddle things a little bit and maybe stretch down the film a little bit um, mm -hmm. or packed with elements that are maybe unnecessary but she um, the love interest part was kind of like a little bit 50-50 for me because they were able to pull some funny things out of it like you know yeah, you know, pull on the comedic acting of of him and you know like the jokes like oh and uh, your secret is that you're married or something and he has to explain the whole Batman thing to her but I feel like you said earlier, it must be, um, it might have seriously just been like sort of trying to play off of like, uh, sort of like a, another Lois Lane sort of thing with Superman. I mean, I can see where they were going with it, but I don't think it holds up or it's not very successful really because you're more interested. When I was, when I was watching the scenes, I was just like, oh, come on, when, when, when's like, you know, Jack Nicholson going to turn up? Which is, I think that's, that's one of the things with this film because you only really remember the scenes of the Joker in it. Um, I mean, the fact that those scenes like elevate the whole rest of the film so much higher um, says a lot about his performance. But mm -hmm. yeah, it, it does sometimes grinds a bit slower with her. And I especially think it's a bit weird how they uh, rope in um, uh, the Joker as well into the love interest as well. Yeah. But I think it also, it kind of helps with him because it, he doesn't quite really care about her. It, it, he's just going on a bit of a weird tangent which i don't know 
I think yeah. That, yeah, I think the film wouldn't like you know it wouldn't suffer without it. I agree. I mean, I think Kim Basinger was very good. I think she she played a part well. I think the the thing for me, I just didn't really care about this um, this side kind of this romance thing going on. I didn't really care about it. I was just kind of I was kind of the same where I'm like, you know, it, yeah, it's okay, it's good, but this could be any film right now that I'm watching, and it's more like uh, just get this Jack Nicholson man. But obviously, I think are we going to put her above the Kit Kat <laughs> from the '60s Batman? Kit Kat, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, right. Now you remind, I was like, oh, this isn't that good, but then you <laughs> reminds me of Kit Command. I think in the whole Batman series, there isn't really very strong love interest, so I don't know yeah. how high this this could well end up being one or two, to be honest. By the time we get to the end, but I think for now, yeah, it'll be number one. Yeah, it? I think it's the thing with Batman and love interest. It always feels like a shoehorned in because he's a yeah. detective and a crime fighter. Yeah, it's yeah. not you know a womanizer because he he's like. Bruce Wayne most of the time is presented as someone who just like sits in this castle more most of the time. Yeah, Sigma male, you know. Yeah, well. And uh, the final ranking, the most Sigma moment in the film. Now we've got to decide what the most Sigma moment in this film is, and how do we rank it against that one? So I think there were, th- I think of two or three. There were a couple of Joker Sigma moments, and then there was Bruce Wayne going, you know, it's Japanese. How do you know? Because I bought it in Japan. Like, oh, you know, and. Yeah. Joke has a couple where he's like, you know, I didn't ask, you know, like she's like, oh, you look fine. Like, I didn't ask. And I think another like underrated Sigma moment is when he goes, you know, you, you, uh, you set me up over a woman, a woman, you know, like that was quite. So, so which, which one are we going to go with? Yeah, I'd have to say, you know, I was normally just thinking, oh, yeah, Bruce Wayne, it's got to be, got to be him. But then when you, you bring up the um, Jack Nicholson as Joker, the, the, the part where he's like, oh, I didn't ask is like, yeah. It, I I I think that not only is it you know it's a Sigma male scene. It's just, I love I love the way that he's you know he's checking himself out in the mirror and everything. And it's just it shows off so much of his character before he even becomes a Joker that you see more through him. And it's just it's a great illustration of him. Like it's spot on. Just thanks. Yeah. He's like yeah, I don't care about your opinion because I'm absorbed in myself. Yeah, and he literally like he says it and then he looks down at a hand on his shoulder and she like moved it away. You know. I think you're you're absolutely spot on because it just it sets up his character so well. And this is the, basically the first thing we see him do, and it's just like yeah, like you say, it just sets up his character so well. Jackson plays it off perfectly. So we're nominating that over Bruce Wayne going, you know, I bought it in Japan. Yeah, because it's not like, and I, I don't think that's that him saying that is like much. He's just saying like, oh yeah, I went to Japan, which is probably maybe slightly crazier back. Well, it wasn't that far. It wasn't that long ago, thirty three years. But like you know. Not everyone was going on holiday to like East Asia all the time. That's true, but because yeah, I think if the delivery was a bit better, it would be more of a because he kind of just says it in such a matter of fact way. It's like ah, oh, it's more. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Ben Affleck. Be like, yeah, I'm fucking rich, like Ben Affleck. You know? Yeah, it's like you can say that. Yeah, I bought the bank. You know that. Yeah, that yeah. Would be, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just it's not well, the same. It doesn't compare to you know Jack Nicholson who okay, basically so steals half the show. Jack Nicholson's. Yeah, I didn't ask. This might be the only entry we get where uh, it's not Bruce Wayne giving a Sigma moment, but we'll see actually. So we're going for that, and uh, is that more Sigma that that action there, that that moment, than uh, Bruce Wayne, Adam West, are capitalists like me, I carry lots of cash, need these kind of gadgets? So where are we ranking it? I'd probably have to say it's above, not just because I like this film more, but more because, you know. Adam West one is like it's a bit of a drawn out thing. Yes, uh, yeah, establish it and then the reason yeah. why and, and so on. But this is just like it's more like the visual thing. You see, he's just like you know he totally cares about himself. 
but you know less words more showing it's just all he says is he just has to say that yeah. one line i didn't you're right you're right it is yeah okay we're going we're going number one with that one then and finally we're going to give this film a ranking out of 10 so we gave batman 966 a 6.6 .6 rating i have a feeling this one's going to be a little bit higher what would you give it as a as a ranking so this is literally the first time we've ever had this conversation. Well, how would you rank this film? What would you give it out of 10? So it's a very, yeah, I'd have to say it's a really, really enjoyable film. Definitely going to see it again, at least quite a few times. And I can understand why Jack Nicholson watched this every single week. But um, I would have to put it personally, because there are some parts where they do drag it down, that like, you know, you're just waiting for the next Joker scene. But overall, especially for, you know, how important it was, um, for Batman, I have to give it maybe an eight point seven. I think that's very close to where I would have it as well. I think yeah, because yeah, like I said at the beginning, this is more like a Joker film than it is a Batman film. It feels like that when you think back at it. And yeah, it's not like it's it's definitely higher than an eight, but it's I can't you can't quite put it in that elite like nine point something category, right? So I think yeah, it's going to be in the high eights and. 8.7, I really can't argue with that. To be honest, I think I'm happy with that ranking as well. I'm going to go with 8.7 for Batman 1989. So, thank you for uh, listening. We've come to the end of the second episode. Next week, we're going to do Batman Returns, which, Henry, you've never seen, have you? I haven't seen that one either. There we go. I've only seen it once, so uh, I'm going to rewatch it as well. So join us then. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash James. Or if you're more of an Instagram guy like Henry, you can follow Henry at Millionth Henry. So you can find both of us there. This is obviously on Spotify and YouTube. So if you're subscribed and follow us, please, you know, leave some comments and rank rankings and uh, share it around if you have a fellow fan of this film. Because yeah. that that person is most likely a man of culture. So um, again, thanks for watching and join us next week for Batman Returns. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>